Okay, um, this oh, it's is holiday time. Bah humbug <laughs> yeah. <to> you. <laughs> we need some toddies or something to make it, you know. All right, um, this is the December 9th, 2008 meeting of the San Francisco Taxi Cab Commission. We'll come to order. Uh, before we begin, I have a uh, special uh, announcement to read. Here it is. The ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised, as, as, as is uh, audience uh, commentary by Mr. Hybels, uh, please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any person or persons responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone pager or similar sound-producing electronic device. And uh, if you do have a, a phone, um, turning it off is preferable to putting it on vibrate since it still interferes. With the AV equipment. Uh, okay, so the next item, or the first item, rather, is a call to order roll call. Uh, President Gillespie. Here. Vice President Breslin. Present. Commissioner Benjamin is going to be joining us uh, approximately 7.30 or so, 7.45. Uh, Commissioner Neto. Here. Commissioner Pack. Present. Commissioner Suval. Here. Commissioner Tom. Here. Okay, we have a quorum. Uh, so um, there will be some uh, some agenda changes um, as far as the order this evening. Is that correct, President Gillespie? Yes. Okay. We're uh, hoping that we have another commissioner uh, for one of our agenda items. So we're going to do the consent calendar now, and we may uh, he may get here by the time, but we may call item seven after item two prior to item three. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and call item two of the consent calendar? Okay. Item two is a consent count is the consent calendar. Uh, here is an admonishment for myself to read regarding this calendar. All matters listed here under constitute a consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item and through the chair we have uh, several items that uh, will be severed um, some for recusals and some uh, just just because uh, so um, items uh, since uh, Commissioner Benjamin isn't here we don't need to worry about the Luxor items but um, that's actually five rather than right. yeah there's yeah. a little bit of a problem here um, okay so uh, but items B12 13 14 and 15 will be severed for a recusal and um, uh, through the chair, I'd like to request that item E be severed. Um, additionally, uh, I, I think I think that's it. Okay. That, oh, F. I'll need to uh, oh, I'll need to sever F1 and 2 yeah. also. F1 and 2. And F4 if Commissioner Benjamin gets here. Okay. If yeah. Okay, I'm going to take public comment on the consent calendar now. Is there anybody who'd like to? Comment on the consent calendar, any aspect of it? We'll do that for one minute. I just want to uh, commend a couple of my former drivers to you. Uh, Herb G., who was with me briefly, but he's a very good man, and Leonid was with me about 10 years, and I never had to say a word to him about anything. I, I really love the fact that these real old-timers are getting their medallions now. Absolutely. A lot of drivers tonight. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioners. I wanted to congratulate the Commission for managing to get all 15 medallion holders today so that we can get these cabs on the road and 
you know, that's a wonderful thing. Um, just as a small comment, I would say that I understand inadvertently financial details of some of these drivers appeared on your website. And, you know, this is a great embarrassment to the Taxi Commission that this still happens. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, I'm Sally Johnson, and I've been, uh, you know, time and time again, been talking over taxi services, and, and I think uh, that a lot of the taxi car services have, uh, you know, in schooling that, you know, we hadn't planned for it before, and taxi car services, and apparently that and uh, been as a lid on uh, some what to call Ephesus, uh you know, contacts with uh, the, the membrane circuses. And uh, I am going to uh, driver's bureau for a truck license to, you know, get this uh, organization started. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab. And I just wanted to uh, say a word about uh, two drivers on your consent calendar, Sohel Rahman and Herbert G. Both of these guys are the kind of people that uh, make Luxor the uh, best company in the city. And we uh, urge you to... Uh, uh, approve their medallions, and we really look forward to working with them for many years to come as medallion holders. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Evening again, Madam Director, Commissioner Paul. Uh, I'm here to speak and uh, congratulate two drivers from uh, Luxor, Herbert Gee and Saul uh, Raman, two fine drivers who have waited a long time. And boy, I can tell you, they're there every day in the trenches. They deserve it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Carl McMurrow, I'd like also to congratulate the 15 people. And our Medallion Holder Association group has some materials if people want to see them. I do want to comment one of the uh, applicants was taken off the list and appealed, and he ended up getting his medallion um, because he had a disability for one or two years. So I hope that you'll formulate some kind of kind policy and give some accommodation uh, to people who come before you who are just barely below the bright line of the Daily Ma who have disabilities. Thanks very much. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioner Tarek Mahmood. One gentleman under F4 a friend of us, you used to see him, Shufa, all the time here. I heard he got a stroke and he's not driving for a long time. And here we got application for transfer. Would you like to call on this item and find out all the details? Uh, over a year, I didn't see him. Thank you. Hello, uh, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Abison Chirakyal, and I drive for AeroCamp. Um, in uh, item B, uh, Mr. 
Sohail Rahman. I have been uh, knowing him for many, many years, uh, driving cab in the city. So many um, radio calls he picked up. Uh, um, I am so happy for him to uh, get the medallion today. Also, Mr. Uh, Jamie Mesa, who drive for Arrow Cab, he also been, uh, we all started together. And I'm also in the next uh, um, uh, date for the medallion. I already got the letter and I'm uh, collecting my uh, way bills from the company. And I'm so happy my friends are getting medallion here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, my name is Michael Ferguson. I'm uh, uh, with Luxor Cab Company, uh, Medallion 1214. And I just wanted to say a word of support uh, to my good friend, uh, Suel Rahman, who's up for a medallion today. Uh, I would just want to say that he's a good man. He's an excellent driver. He has a great family, and uh, he will be a credit to Luxor and to the city. So congratulations, Rahman. Anyone else want to public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. I, I do have a follow-up question to public comment, um, if I may, and um, only because it was brought up. The transfer to uh, the color scheme change to Luxor to Bay Cab, um, this has uh, – I want a clarification from the executive director. This is a medallion transfer, so if there is any inquiry about driving, that would be a separate issue, correct? Uh, well – uh, theoretically, um, anything to do with the medallion would encompass the permit holder, him or herself. Um, but uh, what the individual uh, commented on during the public comment is also what we have heard. And when I noticed this on the agenda, it also raised a red flag for myself. And um, it appears that, um, you know, we, we're going to need to look into this situation. Now, obviously, this individual has many remedies available to himself uh, with regards to the driving requirement, uh, which are well known to everyone, so I won't belabor them here, but um, yes, it is something that we're going to be looking into. Um, it does, it, it has raised questions for me about um, the efficacy, the efficacy rather of a, of a ramp program at Baycab versus Luxor, which has a very robust ramp program serving the public. I'm very concerned about this. However, as the Commission has not adopted any procedures uh, for color scheme transfers and the grounds on which uh, they could be denied, uh, I am unable to invoke any of those provisions in recommend, making a recommendation to you. So, so I'm taking the fact that you didn't sever it tonight. It's because it's not ripe for severing, so uh, we can go ahead through with the, the transfer as is. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, because he has other remedies available, he could apply for disability, he could um, do the, a number of... The issue of the medallion holder not driving is a separate issue right, than the color exactly. scheme change. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Thank you. Or have you clarify that? <laughs> okay. Um, and Director Thickpen, you also requested uh, items B9, 10, and 11. Yeah. Um, Yes, and for, for, for severing. Okay. Yeah. You want to discuss that now? Or? Sure. Okay. Um, so uh, B9, 10, and 11, uh, I had put in my memorandum that, um, you know, there, there was an investigation going on. As to B10 and 11, it is resolved. 
However, unfortunately, as to B9, we will need to continue it um, until the next, uh, we believe it can be resolved within the next week. But unfortunately, I, I don't, I can't recommend that you vote on it this evening. But B10 and 11 have been resolved. Through the, through the chair? Um, are we able to, since we don't have another meeting until the second week of January, um, can we approve pending resolution of the investigation? I think we've done similar things before. Um, to the city attorney, perhaps you have an answer? We've, we've approved them pending the outcome of the background checks before, but I don't think we've done one pending a committee or a staff investigation. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that because it, it vests the authority for granting this medallion in myself when the charter requires, or rather the municipal police code requires that the commission actually take the vote. So I wouldn't want myself to be put in that position because maybe it's me there now, but, you know, I'd feel more comfortable if... Okay, I, I just hate to have a medallion off the streets for so long. That's another whole month, but I'll, I'll respect that. So B9, that. without objection, will be continued. And B4 also, did you want to? Yeah, let me just discuss B4 um, briefly. Um, B4, as you know, first came before this commission in uh, July. Well, hang on just a second. Joanna, is Andy here? Uh, you didn't want to talk behind your back, Andy. Yeah, so um, as to B4, uh, as, as many people know, as, as the commissioners may know, it, was, it first came before the commission in July. And um, at that time, we were contemplating a new procedure whereby uh, cases with factual disputes would be sent to a hearing officer. Um, this applicant's case was the first such case. And as such, um, unfortunately served as a, a test case of sorts, un unfortunately for the applicant. Um, however, uh, again, sorry to the applicant, but um, we worked out a lot of the kinks in that process in the, in the course of, of uh, you know, having his application be the first one. Um, I also want to uh, state to the applicant that, um, unfortunately, and something I ultimately bear responsibility for as the director of the department, there were a number of clerical errors that were made uh, in the course of processing this application and noticing and et cetera, as, as far as uh, redacting and other issues. And I want to offer my sincere apologies for that. That does totally unacceptable. I've, I've spoken to my staff about that. It, it's something that should not happen. And ultimately, again, I, I do bear ultimate responsibility for that. So I, I apologize. Um, also, uh, what, you know, um, it's not a tangent at all. There is, in fact, a clerical error in this application. Uh, for some reason, I, I don't understand why um, 2007 was referenced as being short. And there was no shortage for 2007 for Mr. Sinaigo. It's completely fine. So he's the only question that was a factual dispute at any point was 2006. Uh, well, not at any point, but when it went to the hearing officer. Uh, so that should not say that it was short. He did not have a shortage for 2007. So I want to clear that up. Um, I want to thank um, Mr. Sinaigo for his patience during this process. Again, um, he was a test case, quote unquote. Um, I believe that the process that the commission adopted, which we utilized to, to have his application heard, was a good process to have it before the hearing officer. And uh, we've been using this process with other applications that have presented factual issues. And it's been working out. I, I think it's been working out quite, quite well. So, um, you know, with that being said, uh, the hearing officer's recommendation appears before you. And, you know, 
as I've stated to you before, I don't advocate. It's just these were the issues, and she's made a recommendation. And so I've, you know, I've told the applicant, and I'm prepared that you would accept that recommendation tonight because she's the one that heard all the rich factual issues here. Okay, commissioners, we do have a, a recommendation on this. I, I personally am am prepared to grant this application tonight without adopting those recommendations, without adopting those conditions. But if if commissioners feel strongly about them, it's basically a quarterly reporting condition that has been asked to be added to this. And uh, like I say, I'm prepared to adopt it without those conditions. But if commissioners feel strongly that we should, then this would be the time to make. Regarding those conditions, sorry, I forgot to mention, um, for 2008, I did actually look at 2008, and it's totally fine. So it's so at this point, it doesn't really seem like – I think one of the conditions was an, was an audit, right, going forward? or Yeah, so that would be the only one. But 2008 is good to go. I mean, that condition has been satisfied. So sorry about that. Yeah, I, I concur with you, um, Mr. President. Uh, I think, as our executive director said, Mr. Seneco has shown a lot of goodwill and patience during this whole process that's taken quite a few months. And I think during that, uh, the relationship with the commission office and Mr. Seneco has grown, and I don't believe that he warrants a, a probation. So. Okay, commissioners, otherwise we'll just accept this as a normal permit holder granting. Uh, Commissioner Benjamin isn't here now, so we don't have to sever anything except 12, 13, 14, and 15. Um, and then we're going to sever and Section E and F1 and 2. And uh, do we have to recall that B9 is continued? B9 has already been continued, yeah. Okay, and continued. that uh, G... I mean, I'm sorry, B2 is really B5. We just want right. to make that clear. Right. What we're approving. Okay, so now we're voting on everything except B12 through 15 and Section E and F1 and 2. So is there a motion on that? Motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Section B12 through 15. All right, do we have a motion to approve sections? Uh, well, Individuals 12 through 15. B, B 12 through 15. To grant a taxicab or, or ramp tab. And F1 and 2. Do you want me to do them together? No, oh, okay. One vote. And, and F1 and 2 then. Motion to approve. No. All right. Second. Okay, yeah. All right. We have a motion and second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Congratulations, everybody. Why don't you stand up? We just about got the globe covered on that. You can yeah. tell. I mean. <laughs> like United Nations. Special. <laughs> okay, now we need to go to Section E. Director Thickpen, Section E. Yeah, so um, Section E is a an application to grant a new color scheme permit under Municipal Police Code Section 1125. And uh, I have Sergeant Reynolds here as well that um, wants to make a few statements regarding um, regarding this application. Um, Is Mr. Uh, Tam Dinwen here? Okay. Why don't you come up to the front, too, so that if we need to ask you any questions. And if those of you who got your medallions, if you want to leave, you can stay, you can watch, you can leave, but try to do quietly. Thank you. 
Okay, um, so before, um, before I uh, begin my comments, um, I just want to state that my comments in no way impact Mr. Huen himself. Okay, Th this has nothing to do with his personal character or fitness. Um, instead, it, it has to do with uh, the current state of affairs with regards to the industry. Uh, I cannot recommend that the Commission vote in favor of this application. Um, Mr. Huen is a very uh, a fine gentleman, and uh, yeah, maybe we should wait a few moments. Right? Yeah. It's the buzz of medallion ownership. Yeah. Just in time for New Year's, too. All right. I can't. I can't. What? Okay. Yes. So, as I was saying, I'll start over. Um, Mr. Huen, um, you know, I want to preface my comments and um, those of Sergeant Mills, I'm sure he would share the sentiment. Our comments in no way impact you, your personal character, integrity, or fitness. Uh, our comments have more to do with a general uh, policy that, that it's our duty to advocate for to, you know, on behalf of the industry and the public. Okay, so that being said, um, you know, Mr. Huen has been to the office. He is a fine gentleman. He, he has been very professional and courteous. Uh, in fact, uh, one staff member and myself even assisted him in picking out the colors for his color scheme, which was a, you know, a creative experience um, for us and for Mr. Huen. But that being said, um, unfortunately, we, we cannot recommend that this color scheme go forward. Um, you know, we have a lot of problems with, uh, with the amount of color schemes that we have in the city. And myself and Sergeant Reynolds have repeatedly advocated for standards for color scheme permits, for some type of guidance for the commission to adopt to let people have a business, a taxi cab company. Right now, there are no standards whatsoever, not even criminal background checks for a taxi cab company owner. And every, jur every jurisdiction I could find has already adopted such standards. And we, I just, we, we cannot recommend it for many reasons. Sergeant Reynolds will say a few words, and Mr. Gwen is here as well. Again, I want to uh, um, emphasize the uh, executive director's uh, comments that this has nothing to do with this gentleman right here. He's a very hardworking, conscientious driver, and he's an asset to the city. city. In my two-year tenure as the OIC of the taxi detail, we have had two, two one-person color schemes, and quite frankly, both of them ended in disaster. Both of them had to shut down. And the thing that, that I realized is when you are running a business, having a front office that has to be manned five days a week from nine to five, doing shift changing, doing um, employment hiring, the amount of money that can be made out of one person is not enough to make that company solvent. We saw that with Grasshopper, and we saw the effects when the stresses of him got to the point where he could no longer effectively manage the company. We had J... KSJ. KSJ, and the same thing. The vehicle 
when we saw it on the street, it was being held together by bungee cord and uh, the vehicle was unsafe simply because the money was not coming back enough to keep the vehicles properly maintained. It was not creating enough to have a staff that could answer the phones. And, and my also concern is that this is going to be a one-person color scheme, so that medallion is only going to be out there 10 hours a day. And in a time period where we are trying to get as many vehicles out there as possible, that creates a whole set of problems. So for the taxi detail with its limited personnel and its limited resources, to have to go after the one-person color schemes if things go wrong, we spend more time at 9 o'clock in the morning at the business office seeing that nobody arrives, trying to make phone calls to get a hold of a responsible if this person leaves, then leaves the country for a vacation or leaves the Bay Area, there's no way to get a hold of them. And we spend large amounts of time and energy trying to keep sure that the one-man color schemes are working. So that is the concern that the taxi detail has, is just the amount of energy and time and the fact that it's difficult for them to make a go at it. Okay, Mr. Uh Tam, you, let me just ask you, why you were previously at Delta Cab, is that right? Yes, uh, and, commission, yeah. and what, is that company still in business? Uh, but uh, we don't know who's uh, running the business right now. And then since uh, the money's missing, uh, he uh, left and then we uh, realized, uh, you know, we don't know where to uh, control our uh, way bill, our stop, and severe. Uh, so, uh, why do you want to start a one person? Why? Why? You not realize it's very difficult to do, and there hasn't been a good history of one person cab companies succeeding in this town. But I have a question, which is that we don't have an existing rule, right? Again, we don't have a minimum size for cab companies, so we can't really. I mean, we can discourage you and I think that's what we're trying to do more than at least see what uh, Commissioner um, what I try to that's why the call is going because the problems right now I don't trust any any uh, uh, company to keep my uh, uh, to rent a caller screen from them that's why I feel like I talk to check a cab and then they willing to help me out if I have caller myself, I can con handle myself, way bill, and uh, on the uh, commission uh, uh, rule, uh, I will be there with them, and then I will uh, share a parking, one parking for me over there with checker cab. So I think that's no problem if I ha I'm happy for that. So I can choose any uh, dispatch, radio dispatch, uh, I like it. What, and, uh, what dispatch service are you with? Uh, checker, black checker. So you're parking at Black and White Checkers lot. You're using Black and White Checkers dispatch. Why don't you just join Black and White Checker? Uh, because um, I feel like to have my uh, color uh, by myself is possible because I I like it to you want us handle myself <laughs> better than uh, the fast. You know, I don't trust that. And do you have anyone else working for you? Uh, if, I, I had driver working for me. Yes. You have one other driver? Yes. Commissioner. Good evening. 
I wanted to know, too, do you have any intent to increase your fleet to increase the number of taxis under your color scheme? If somebody wanted to come to you with a medallion, do you have an intent to accept that? Yes, Commissioner. I have a plan for that, yes. And how long have you been driving yourself? I've been driving for over 15 years. Are you going to have an office? Yes. If I have a color, if Commissioner Grant has a color, I would like to start myself at the business. So if somebody would like to be with me, then I will get an office. That's when I have a color, if Commissioner Grant has a color. How about like lost and found and people lose something in your cab and they call your company? And I will use the dispatch for now. Black checker dispatch. So you're going to handle lost and found through black and white checker? That's right, Commissioner. You know, I really do appreciate the time it takes to oversee the small cab operations, and there were a couple of examples of ones that didn't survive. However, we look at Green Cab, and they started with one taxi cab with the promise of more joining them. But they started with one, and they had a promise of more joining. You don't think that's correct? I think that it is correct, but our problem is just that there's too many companies right now. I also agree with that, and I was going to get to that. I think that I do appreciate the time it takes for staff and for the taxi detail to take a look at all the smaller companies. But I also understand that, as our President said, we do not have a regulation forbidding this free enterprise, forbidding somebody to start up a company. We don't have a minimum size. And I think I personally would like to work towards a minimum size, but we don't have it now. And we've seen a company succeed starting off with one taxi cab. And I'm not ready to impose it on one individual who comes before us. It's putting the cart before the horse. We haven't got the regulation. I would actually defer to the Municipal Police Code in this instance, and Section 1125, which is what he's applying for a color scheme permit under. That provision clearly states that an investigation shall be conducted and the commission shall make a ruling based on Section 1081. And if you go to Section 1081, it has many, many factors. I have a copy here, if you'd like to view it. Just tell me where it applies in this case. It has many factors, but 1081G states, promotion of the general welfare by adopting a program for the issuance of permits for motor vehicles for hire, including color scheme permits in this instance. The city and county of San Francisco is assuming and undertaking only to promote the general welfare. Additionally, general factors, it states that the tax commission, in determining whether a permit should be issued, quote, may consider such facts as it deems pertinent, but must consider the following. Financial responsibility, whether the applicant has complied with rules, and whether the applicant holds any other permits. And then there's many other things that should be considered. You are not bound by simply those three items. You may consider, quote, such facts as you deem pertinent. And I would argue that staff is really begging you not to do this. We're begging. 
we, we just we have we have I, I, I two can hear, I can hear you. I would like to respond through the chair. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to put a request into staff, not that they need one more thing to do, but if you would please make a checklist of all of those things from the section 1081 and bring it to the rules committee. I believe the rules committee could start taking a look at the size of the taxicabs since that checklist hasn't been before us. We haven't looked at a regulation or rule. And so even though you're begging, I am uncomfortable applying something to one individual just because all of a sudden we discover this rule when we did not apply it to Green Cab and we did not apply it to Grasshopper and we did not apply it to some of the others. I am very uncomfortable applying it in just a spot-on case. So um, I would like to work for a standard of a size of a color scheme. I think, I think the larger the better and they serve the public the better. And that's the direction I'm going in to all of you. I just want you to know that's the direction I'm going. But I'm not, I can't, I can't all of a sudden change how I've been voting because something is just brought fresh before us today that has been in place through all our, of our other votes. So that's, that's where I am on this. I want to do the other. I want a larger size color scheme, but I don't think it's appropriate in this particular situation. Through the chair, I'd like to comment about this. I, I'm sorry I was delayed getting here, but uh, I can make a decision uh, from the short time that I've been on the commission. Seeing that Grasshopper came this way and some other people have come this way, and it it automatically creates a problem. If it wasn't a problem, I don't think we'd even want to address it. But the fact is that we have too many small little companies. Uh, how are we going to call him if he's out at the airport and somebody calls up and says they want his cab out at Sunset? Or, you know, in, in the combination of things that it's created, I don't think that we should be uh, creating any more color schemes, especially now with the transfer coming from the commission to the MTA, let them make the decision, you know, if they want to come up with a bunch of rules for it. But I think the the uh, the emphasis should be that we need larger companies just to see, because we have a lot of small companies right now uh, that aren't just one-cab companies. But if, if a person just wants a single shift and have one, one cab, he can join a yellow cab and he can even make money doing it, you know. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that he has to be totally independent in order to make a, a dime in this business. I, I'm not sure if you were here when he said he does have another driver working and he is going through the dispatch and the lost and found at Black and Checker. I, I don't know if you were already here or not. Right, but I, I, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. But I think a company should be more than just all of those uh, fundamental things that they need. I think it should also be something that, you know, what is the outlook for this business to be separate and independent, you know. I, I mean, what's the real benefit to the city to have all these 35, 36, 37? And what if he doesn't cooperate properly? Then we have a problem, you know. So by keeping a, a rein on it on on the companies, I think you have a better time with it uh, working more efficiently in the future if we see some larger companies. You could continue it to what, uh, to what company is your cab associated with today? Oh, uh, that was cab. Delta, mm -hmm. and yes. it's still painted Delta colors. You haven't changed your painting. You haven't painted your... Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Thank you. Yeah, I'm waiting for the... Grand Thank uh, you. The good, good decision. I mean, I, I, I hate to vote to create a new color scheme. I really do. I, and I hear what you're saying on that, Jordana and Sergeant Reynolds. And, and yet that we don't have a, a rule in place forbidding it makes me uncomfortable voting. And I understand that that rule that you cited gives us some 
flexibility to think about what's in the best interest of the city. So you could continue it to the call of the chair, and you could continue it to the next meeting or the meeting after, and whatever you can agendize. You know this item for the rules committee and call this for the subsequent taxi commission meeting. I, I would be comfortable continuing it because I don't believe there's any harm at, uh, to, to Mr. Nugent because you are still driving. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, um, you'll, you won't be putting out any expenses additional for a color scheme while this is being considered. So I'm comfortable. I don't think there's None any of the, harm. He hasn't paid any of the fees or anything like that? Or Did you? I don't, he, has, he certainly hasn't paid the renewal because... But, um, Have you paid the fee for a new color scheme or any of those things you understand that? Oh, I've had to commission the act. The application fee? You have commission. the application, but you haven't turned it in and paid for it yet. No, he's paid the application fee. No, I already paid it. But the application fee covers the cost of investigating and processing. Oh, I so see. that's, you know, but, but continuing it wouldn't prejudice him because it's not like he's, you know, he, as, as Vice President Breslin points out, he's driving and he's, you know, and. We staff certainly would not have a problem with continuing it pending resolution of some of the underlying issues. My uh, inclination is to continue this pending a hearing of this issue at the Rules Committee and then schedule it for the first meeting after that Rules Committee hearing yeah, on this. I, I definitely question. think... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Can I ask you one question? Why do you want to become a color scheme on your own? Do you want more cabs to associate with you or what is your Benjamin, idea? We asked him that question oh, already, and I, I hate to ask him it again because, yeah. He, he does have question. an intent to increase his fleet. Yes. Yeah. So if you're comfortable with the continuance. I have. Okay. Without objection, then, this will be continued. And Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. And again, through the chair, I, I think it's necessary that we all receive a copy of this um, number 1081 of Section 25. You know, the, all that we need it to. Okay. Uh, in addition, I just want to make sure that we're not trying to discourage any uh, entrepreneurship that uh, right. that we, we really need. I mean, even with the time uh, hardship right now, uh, the, the state of economic. Um, I, I don't want to discourage that entrepreneurship, that effort. So, uh, within all, the, understanding all this. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I think we don't need to change the order now, Jordana. We can go right to agenda item three. Okay. Um, did you want to call item three or item four first? Uh, we can call item four. Okay. Item 4, Disciplinary Case, Taxi Commission versus Dries Elisali, known as Elisali 1. This is an action item. Consideration of hearing officer's decision on complaint for revocation of P44 driver's permit number 52819 for violations of municipal police code sections 1110, 1187.1, 1078A, 1120, 1091, 1092, 1094, and taxi cab and ramp taxi rules 6A1, 6A4, 6A8, 6A9, and 6A11. And in your uh, packet, you have a copy of the hearing officer's recommendation to you in this matter. Uh, I will um, proceed down to the lower podium at this time so that I can give a brief overview. And counsel for the uh, defendant is also present. Okay. Commissioners, we have, we have two cases with this gentleman today. We want to make sure that uh, we're sort of taking them in chronological order, but not in the same order that they're in your packet, probably. Yeah. 
I need to get those clipper things. That you can, I know, I've had to rip it all apart. And sometimes it's right on top of the writing. <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> okay, uh, so, um, commissioners, um, good evening. Jordana Thigpen, Executive Director for the Taxi Cab Commission. Uh, so what you have before you is a recommendation from the hearing officer in this matter. This matter has been pending for quite some time. Uh, essentially, I'll just give an overview of what the case was and the hearing officer's decision, and then um, the counsel for defendant will be here for her portion of the presentation. Uh, the hearing was had on September 19, 2008, on a complaint that uh, originally investigation began last uh, winter, and um, even last summer, really, and then proceeded uh, to, was originally supposed to proceed to hearing in the spring of this year, um, was then supposed to go in July. Um, ultimately, due to the defendant's unavailability, was finally scheduled and heard on September 19, 2008. So the case has been proceeding for quite some time. Um, therefore, the, uh, the complaint was written some time ago. The complaint uh, proceeded on two alternative theories. First, that the individual was violating uh, several rules uh, involving alleged, quote, brokering or, or leasing of medallions in violation of several rules. The second case theory was that the individual was operating a color scheme without a permit, uh, mimicking a color scheme by his activities in the industry without actually applying for and receiving a permit under Municipal Police Code Section 1125. The uh, hearing officer heard the case, and the hearing officer uh, found, um, or I'm sorry, recommends that uh, there is not any violations and that the individual is not operating a color scheme um, because the hearing officer believed, you know, uh, that, that there, was not a, there just was not a color scheme in this instance um, because there was not a similar trade dress and other factors. So um, that's essentially, you know, it's, it's a short presentation because, as you know, I don't uh, advocate for you to, re to adopt the recommendation or to decline it. Uh, simply give a proper uh, presentation of the, of the case as it is before you. So uh, I'm sure there will be public comment. Um, there was a lot of declarations in this case, quite lengthy, um, but, of course, uh, counsel is here. Uh, counsel, I will note, uh, for the record, uh, Council submitted a, uh, quote, responsive brief to the complaint. Um, the briefings occurred at the lower level, so any briefs um, are not properly before you. However, I did receive them yesterday and did provide you with copies of what I received in the office yesterday. I had delayed the packet by one day to Friday so that potentially if I did receive something in a timely manner from council, I could include it in your packet, even though uh, technically briefings aren't really proper at this stage. Uh, however, I didn't receive anything until yesterday. So I've provided it to you this evening, and I want to note that for the record that it has been provided to you, and you all have a copy there in front of your chair. Um, there are two documents. We'll reach the other document uh, if we do so. Um, at the second stage, rather at item three. Uh, so that's all I have, unless anyone has any questions about the procedure, the hearing officer's decision, anything of that nature. Okay, the hearing officer's decision in this case was to 
not recommend the revocation of the A card and to impose a fine of some amount? That is correct. Staff had asked for revocation of the A card based on the rule violations alleged and based on the belief, staff's belief that the individual was, in fact, operating essentially a black market color scheme. The hearing officer recommends only that a fine of $650 be imposed for the defendant's actions and that the A card not be revoked. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be some questions on this when we get to that point, but I think, Ms. Parmenter, I'm going to allow you seven minutes now for your presentation and then we'll have questions from the commissioners and then we'll have a second round of rebuttal and then deliberations. So it's all yours. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Leah Parmenter and I represent Mr. Elisavi with regards to this matter and I have some prepared comments with regards to what has transpired in this case. The complaint has caused a crushing blow to Mr. Elisavi's life as his livelihood and only manner of supporting his family is in serious jeopardy. While it is true that Mr. Elisavi's presence in the taxi arena for over nine years have caused him to give his opinions, any opinion or viewpoint he may have given to a medallion holder or a color scheme company falls squarely under the category of protected free speech within the free market. Mr. Elisavi has never acted as a color scheme holder nor have any of his opinions or viewpoints created a fourth layer. Further investigation into this matter has indicated that currently there may well be over 100 persons acting in the same manner as Mr. Elisavi in helping medallion holders. And yet these individuals remain free from any prosecution whatsoever on behalf of the taxi commission. This is also indicative in the taxi commission's numerous declarations provided to attempt to prosecute Mr. Elisavi which indicate that Mr. John Lazar of Luxor Cab specifically instructed one medallion holder to seek out Mr. Elisavi and that other medallion holders who have provided their declarations have stated that they did not know that there was anything wrong with what their actions and what their dealings were with Mr. Elisavi. Under color of law the complaint has singled out Mr. Elisavi and is arbitrarily attempting to enforce by way of revoking Mr. Elisavi's A card to drive rule 6A11 of the rules and regulations. The complaint has failed to yield a scintilla of admissible evidence which reports that at any point in time Mr. Elisavi, a taxi cab driver, leased a permit or medallion from anyone other than from a medallion holder or a color scheme company. The taxi commission, like all administrative agencies, has no inherent powers. It possesses only those powers that have been granted to it by the Constitution or by statute. As the United States Supreme Court has found, an agency literally has no power to act until such time as powers are conferred upon it. That an agency has been granted some authority to act within a given area does not mean that it enjoys plenary authority to act within it. 
As a consequence, it is a fundamental principle that if the Commission takes action that is inconsistent with or that simply is not authorized by the rules and regulations, then its actions are void as a matter of law. Here, the complaint is void of any statutory authority that would permit the Taxi Commission to revoke Mr. Elisali's A-card. Mr. Elisali has never violated Rule 6A11, and the Taxi Commission has failed to set forth any evidence to support a violation on the part of Mr. Elisali that he has ever leased a medallion from anyone other than a medallion holder or a color scheme company. Although unclear, the complaint seems to extrapolate a great deal from Rule 4C1. The rule, however, is applicable only to medallion holders and color scheme companies, and again, it does not provide any statutory authority to the Commission to revoke an A-card from a driver. More importantly, however, the facts set forth by this matter demonstrate that there has never been the creation of a fourth layer as is prohibited by 4C1, as each medallion holder has made their own independent decision to perhaps change a color scheme company, and each color scheme company has made their independent decision to accept a medallion into their company. The complaint is also riddled with allegations that Mr. Elisali is acting as an illegal broker or manager of medallions. These legal terms have been somehow extrapolated by the complaint from Rule 4C1, which refers only to the creation of an additional fourth layer. The prejudicial terms used by the complaint, illegal broker and manager, are not terms commonly understood, but ones which have a technical meaning, warranting definition. They must be categorized in this case as legal terms. Section 3 of the Rules and Regulations is noticeably void of any definition whatsoever relating to illegal brokers and illegal managers. As such, again, the complaint has taken plenary action not allowed by statutory authority to define these terms as they see fit and apply them to Mr. Elisali in order to revoke his A-card. These actions are impermissible according to fundamental principles of law. The complaint also alleges that Mr. Elisali is charging drivers oppressive fees. The complaint fails to set forth any evidence whatsoever that the of these facts and not a single statement from any driver is presented to support these allegations. Instead, by way of carefully crafted declarations, the complaint relies on hearsay statements from persons that have allegedly heard from others that this is what Mr. Elisali is apparently doing. It is unknown exactly how many layers of hearsay the complaint is relying upon to improperly set forth that Mr. Elisali is driving drivers excessive fees. The Taxi Commission should not be permitted to rely on hunches, suspicions, and unknown layers of hearsay statements to revoke Mr. Elisali's A-card. The complaint against Mr. Elisali alleges that his actions are in violation of MC 1078. The complaint then goes further to somehow extrapolate that Mr. Elisali is operating an illegal color scheme company without a permit. This contention is beyond logic. Each and every one of the medallions alleged to be part of Mr. Elisali's purported illegal color scheme operation is lawfully associated with a color scheme company, which has a color scheme permit to operate its business. 
Each and every time the alleged medallions have changed color scheme, the decision to change the color schemes, excuse me. Go ahead. Are you getting near your summation? I'm near. I just wanted to touch upon the fact that there's some additional just brief points. Basically that Mr. Elisave is in no way operating any type of color scheme company. He doesn't have a color scheme company. Each medallion in question is lawfully associated to a color scheme company, and each medallion holder has made the decision to go to that color scheme company. And further, there's some additional, there's an allegation that Mr. Elisave failed to satisfy a judgment, and no proof whatsoever was given of that. And in speaking to my client, this was a very, it was an accident which occurred at SFO, and he was coming out of a parking space, and he accidentally hit the rear of a police officer's motorcycle. Mr. Elisave immediately got out of his vehicle. He helped the police officer, and other police officers came to assist the officer, and of course to take a report, Mr. Elisave fully cooperated with them. He reported that to the color scheme company, and then they reported to the insurance, and the matter was settled with the police officer for a six-figure amount. So there is absolutely no hitting of any police officers or anything of that nature. Mr. Elisave has always acted properly, and there is nothing of that nature that occurred, and this is something that is in the complaint and is very injurious to Mr. Elisave. And basically that's it. We wish that this commission paid careful attention to Julie Rosenberg's opinion. She took quite a long time and I'm sure did a great deal of research to come up with her decision, and we request that you support her decision. We thank you very much. Thank you. And are you prepared to answer questions on behalf of Mr. Elisave, or is he prepared to answer questions? Okay, so any questions about his operations you're going to? Okay, why don't you come up there because I do have some questions. Because I want to clarify in my own mind who Mr. Elisave was exactly, because you've claimed that he wasn't a color scheme, and he's clearly not a permit holder, and he's not a driver himself. So what is he exactly? He drives his taxi. That's my understanding. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Let's say a permit holder has a medallion, and we have several people who have testified that Mr. Elisave sort of recruited medallions to come to him and let him manage them. Do you agree with that statement or not? I don't agree with that. Maybe they asked him for his opinions about drivers and things of that nature. Well, I understand that he arranged the schedules, he bought the cars, he paid for the insurance, he did everything that color schemes in this town do, and yet your claim is very strongly that he's not a color scheme. He's not in any way identifiable as a color scheme, and clearly he's not because he hasn't registered with the city as a color scheme. So my question is that why would a permit holder go to Mr. Elisave rather than go directly to a yellow cab or a luxury cab or one of these other companies? Why would they go to him to have him do all the color scheme activities? And if he was doing all these things, I mean, you sort of made the claim that he was just exercising his First Amendment rights, that he's sort of facilitating this guy working that medallion, and he's just sort of a helpmate kind of a person. But from what I can tell, he was really doing a lot of the things of a color scheme. 
And so what, what was he in, one, in this three layers that we allow, which is permit holder, color scheme driver, what, which of those three was he if he wasn't a fourth layer? He is a, uh, an A-card driver and he drives taxis and then he does at times provide some assistance at the request. For example, we have an, um, one of the declarations that the Taxi Commission has set forth is that Mr. John Lazar of Luxor, Tag, Luxor Cab asked one of his medallion holders to speak to Mr. Elisali to perhaps on behalf of Luxor Cab assist or whatever. So that type of thing he made at the at the request of a color scheme company, he may try to talk to a driver or do things or perhaps look for drivers or things of that nature. So this is my understanding who, of what who paid Who paid the uh, permit holder? I who collected the money? Who collected the money from the individual driver and then who transferred that money to the permit holder? I do not know what transpired and how that... Uh, frankly, my duty was to handle the complaint and address the complaint. I do not know who, what, or what happened with regard well, my, to that. My problem here tonight is I have to decide whether or not I agree with, with Ms. Rosenberg and her interpretation that Mr. Alessali was not acting as a color scheme. And, so, and that's why I need to clarify in my own mind, if he wasn't acting as a color scheme, then what was he acting as? Well, I think it's important to note, like the hearing officer noted, that each of these medallions was associated with a color scheme company, and they were responsible for all these things. Perhaps they asked Mr. Alasali to do some of these things for them, but he was not acting as a color. He does not have a company. He doesn't, he doesn't broker medallions. He doesn't tell, you know, he doesn't own them. These are owned by the independently by the medallion holders, and they choose to take them. So my question is, who collected the daily or nightly gates that he was charging and who then transferred that money to the permit holder? I, to, to be truthful, I do not know who did that or what, how the because color scheme decided to do that. the person who's doing that, to my mind, is the color scheme or should be the color scheme. So my problem is, is that what Mr. Alasali was doing in most cities in America is perfectly fine. There's no problem with, in fact, they... People encourage these type of operations where a person will have a group of drivers who he, he you know, gets to drive his vehicles and absentee permit holders go to these types of brokers and they get people to manage their medallions. In San Francisco, we don't have a situation like that. We have Prop K where each individual permit has to be driven by a permit holder. And so my question is, is are the people who are coming to Mr. Elisali with their permits, why were they coming to him? And were these permit holders driving? I believe that would be in, in, indicated by their records and everything. Each medallion holder, I believe, has to submit their records to the taxi commission about how they drive and everything. I do not believe there's any questions whatsoever of any of the medallion holders not driving their taxis or taking appropriate action on behalf of their medallions. See, the other problem I have with the decision is that it seems to be saying that what the drivers did was illegal in 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 leasing their vehicle from Mr. Alasali, or what the permit holders did was illegal in giving their medallion to Mr. Alasali, but what he did wasn't illegal. And the reason I have a problem with that is because it sort of it puts us in the position of having to anticipate every type of way that somebody could break the law and then passing a law prohibiting that behavior. What I think has happened in the last 20 years is that these type of operations have emerged because of our law. 
and there are certain people who don't really want to drive their medallion. So they find a way, and color schemes can be hands-off. They can sort of hand it off and, you know, see Mr. Alessali about this. And then there's a whole lot of, you know, things that go on that aren't really in compliance with the way our law is designed, which is to get the individual permit in the hands of the working cab driver. And so I have this problem that they're, they're, they're sort of saying, well, you should have brought color permit holders up on these charges, or you should have brought individual drivers who lease from Mr. Alessali because it's illegal to lease from anyone other than a color scheme or a permit holder. So I guess maybe that's the case, that everyone who leased a medallion from Mr. Alessali was breaking the law, but somehow we, didn't, we don't right now have a law against what he was doing. If I may address, I, I do not want to cast any blame whatsoever on the medallion holders. All of them said that they didn't know there was anything wrong, and I think everyone doesn't know that there's anything wrong with it. My suggestion is that the, all of the time that was spent on trying to prosecute Mr. Alessali, it could have been all averted if there was, in fact, a law on the records, and everyone knew what they were supposed to do. It's very clear. Color scheme companies, medallion holders, Mr. Alessali, and perhaps the hundreds of people that are out there doing exactly what Mr. Alessali has done. I think that might be a little perhaps bit of an exaggeration. Is, perhaps it was an exaggeration. But there Maybe the total is, number of permits that are being operated through... Maybe These there's some assistance here or there. I'm just saying that maybe we should have a law saying specifically what it is, what we need to do, what, where everyone stands. If that's the case and Mr. Elisali was aware of that, he would do everything to stay within the parameters of the law. But in this case, it's confusing to everyone. It was very confusing to me as an attorney to try and figure out what a broker is, what, what these terms were. I'm, perhaps I do not have so much experience in the taxi arena, but this should be something that the rules and regulations should have, and therefore everyone like myself or the taxi drivers, the medallion holders, and the color scheme companies can go there and say, oh, this is the law, this is what we can do, and this is what we can't do. And at this juncture, it is the case that this is not illegal because there is no statute that makes it illegal. But, but our rule says that you can only lease a medallion from, okay, the rule 4C1, leases every medallion holder and color scheme holder shall limit the layers of a medallion or permit leases to three layers, i.e. medallion holder, color scheme holder, driver. So that is a law, and my question is, which one of those three was Mr. Elisali operating as? Mr. Elisali is a driver. Okay, when he's driving an individual vehicle, but when he's acting as this go-between, it's not It's not something that is in the statute. I don't know. He is not none of those things, and he has not created a fourth layer because each medallion is with a color scheme company, and each medallion holder has complete control but over their But he's collecting medallion. the nightly rental fees, and he's distributing the monthly lease payments. I do not know if that is true, but it, perhaps he's collecting them on behalf. I'm sure well, he's collecting them on behalf. Well, let me ask you if that is true. Because I, do not, I do not know. To tell you, I do not know. But if he is, then he is collecting them on behalf of the medallion holder. Okay. Commissioner Netto. I have a question. You said he was helping the medallion holders, correct? Yes. Was he receiving a fee for helping the medallion holders? I do not know that that is the case. Then can we talk to him who does know? He doesn't speak English very well, and I do not feel comfortable having Well, then you ask him, if he's, you're his attorney.
time for me. Thank you. I don't like it. Where is this with pencils? This looks like another rules committee issue. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? See, I think he's in more serious trouble with the other charge. You know, driving around with no suspended license. I mean, why are we trying to take his license? Yeah. Yeah. There is simply assistance going on. That's all that he does. He helps people, and that's what he does. Mr. John Lazar asked one of the medallion holders to seek him, to seek out Mr. Al-Asali because he wanted to keep. He is like a person who generates business for the companies and things of that nature. And he received no monetary. It is my understanding he did not. Here's another issue I have with this whole thing, is that we don't know where the drivers are coming from. The medallion holders are saying that he is giving them the drivers. What my issue with is, he's taking away work from legitimate A-card holding drivers. That's my issue, because we don't know who's in the car, and that's what's going on here. If I may answer that question, the color scheme company is responsible for precisely that. Each medallion in question is with a color scheme. They are responsible for making sure, and I can assure you that each person that is driving is a lawful A-card driver, A-card permit holder, excuse me. Okay. You're saying that he's not acting as a color scheme. He's not acting. He doesn't have a permit. He's not acting in a driver in this capacity. What's he doing? He's doing something here. I have specifically set forth what he's doing. He's driving his taxi. And that's it, and helping people for nothing. You really want me to believe that? It's not a question of belief. I think the question that we need to answer here is, are we going to follow laws? And that's what I'm trying to do. We have three layers here. Either he's a medallion holder, which is legitimate. He is a color scheme, legitimate. He is a driver, legitimate. If he is acting in any other capacity, it is not legitimate, which means he's breaking the law. Now, he is facilitating the work in those cabs. You said he was. So if he's facilitating that help, he is acting in a capacity other than a color scheme because he's not getting paid. He doesn't own the medallion, or he doesn't hold the medallion, and he's not driving in that capacity. So those are the only legitimate things he can be doing. If he's doing anything else, it's illegal, period. I would like to ask what law that is that would make that conduct illegal. That's in our rule book. You stated the rule book. You stated yourself the three levels. 
This is my argument. There is no statutory authority for the taxi commission to revoke his A card. There is nothing on the books, and that is the problem here. That is the most important problem, and there's really no way that this can be decided. Ms. Julie Rosenberg has carefully looked at this matter. She is a very experienced person, and she has carefully looked at this situation. Okay. Other commissioner questions? We're going to have a few minutes for a rebuttal on our side, then another opportunity for you to finish before we have our final deliberations on this. Yes. There will be no rebuttal because, as you know, I don't reach the substance. I just would respond if there were any facts. Let me ask you the question then, Jordana. Looking at what, from our investigation of the role Mr. Al-Asali was playing in the industry, was he acting as a driver or as a color scheme or as a permit holder? And if he wasn't, then what? Commissioner, I have to respectfully request a decline to answer that question because of the role that I am here in this evening. And I am greatly prejudiced in some sense by that role, but I feel it's my duty to adhere to the role that I have, and I must not answer that question. Sergeant Reynolds, would you like to venture an answer to this? You can advocate on behalf of the position. I wish I had something witty and clever to say at this point. I can't tell you the amount of hours Mr. Al-Asali has cost my unit and me investigating all of the allegations in this case. I guess the closest thing that I can think of is when I was going to the police academy and they talked about when police officers got informants to do things for police officers to get people arrested. And the Supreme Court ruled if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, looks like a duck, it must be a duck. In this investigation, he did all three things. He was driving, he was brokering, and the third question that you asked? Our laws say that you can only be one of three things, basically a driver, a color scheme, or a permit holder. And so if he wasn't acting as a color scheme, which he's denied acting as a color scheme, which we sort of said he was illegally because he didn't have a license to operate as a color scheme, then... Well, I can tell you what he said when I asked that question. On the second interview with him, I asked him. He had a number of medallions under his control or in his possession. And I said, why don't you get a color scheme? Why don't you go and make your own company and that way you can play legally, you can do everything above and by the book? And he told me, I'm smarter than that, and if I did that, I wouldn't make the money. I couldn't make money running the company. So that told me that he was acting as a broker and did not want to work as a color scheme. Is it your understanding that the expense incurred by being the color scheme would be to provide, what, more insurance, buying the cars? I mean, what is it that he did to make money? Because I don't buy the story that he was doing this out of the goodness of his heart and to educate the other taxi drivers. I think that he was making money doing this, and if so, where is the difference between 
his operating, like say, for instance, if he was providing drivers for a royal cab, um, where was he making ends meet by increasing the amount that a driver would have to pay, and where was he getting his supply of drivers from? If he wasn't going through, my understanding is this, if you're affiliated with a color scheme, you should be using only drivers that are affiliated with that color scheme. Correct. That you can't go and get a driver from yellow cab to drive a, uh, a royal cab, and you do that because you know that that guy wants to drive, and then you can cut out anybody else that's a driver for a royal cab. I don't know how he's, how is it that he was making an income from doing this? Well, I can tell you I talked to Ron Brothers, who he brokered his medallion for a short time, and he was paying Ron a certain percentage while he was in the hospital recuperating from open-heart surgery, and he was paying him a certain amount, and then his vehicle was being driven by other people. Well, why wasn't Ron Brothers' affiliation with whatever color scheme he was with providing the drivers for that and making that money that he would be making? Why, why is it that a person would go to him, what's the advantage? He was making more from Mr. Um, Alasali okay. than he was from the color scheme. Okay, so and it's all a matter of money. Well, I, I understand that, but I'm trying to figure out exactly what is the sugar cube that he provides that the other guys don't. I mean, what, is, what are the facts in that that we can judge this on? Because I think that's what uh, his attorney is, is pointing out, that we don't really have any hard and evidence. That's why the hearing officer said that, you know, without a fact, then they have to go, even though, like you say, it sounds like a duck, looks like a duck, and walks like a duck, we don't know what the duck is, you know, because we don't have anything that we can direct ourselves to. So my feeling is this, I, and I want to say this too, and uh, the reason that this whole thing starts this way is exactly this point. If a person's driving the cab himself, that's fine. If he's not going to drive that cab, then everything that that cab operates, if it's a Luxor cab or a yellow cab, should go through Luxor or yellow cab. And the only way we're going to stop this is if we make it all gas and gate, and I know there's some frowns about that because it doesn't operate well, but that's the only control that you'll have because then that color scheme has to provide those drivers. They have to be clear with their insurance. They have to be upstanding. They have to have their A cards renewed. They have to have some control. If you give it to someone that's not in control, then it's just using the paint job as the color scheme and anyone else can control it. And that's obviously what the problem is here. I absolutely concur, Commissioner. Um, since I've been doing this, Everybody points a finger, and I think I've brought this up before. Um, the medallion holder will say, it's not my responsibility, it's the color schemes. The color scheme will say, it's not my responsibility, it's the medallion holders. Yeah. The drivers will say, it's not my responsibility, it's the broker. And again, it's why are you going after this person? Why are you going after that person? We tried to go after the broker. We tried to go after the medallion holders. That was what we tried uh, towards the beginning of this year and we started losing our cases that they said that they didn't know and that nobody gave them the book and we had one person say I haven't seen the rules and regs in 20 years so how am I supposed to know we lost the case on that so then we go after the brokers now we're at the same juncture it's not the brokers fault so it's who do we go after? The color well, schemes? The, the problem that we also have is they're correct in saying that we don't have a definition of a broker. I mean, we all kind of have the understanding what a manager is, what a broker is, but by not having a, a distinct definition of a, 
of a broker, then we have to assume that our rules cover that idea, and they don't. And that's our dilemma right now also. I have to agree. So what we have to do is simplify this whole thing. In other words, if a driver has a medallion, he's a single shifter, unless he goes through his color scheme, and he has to go through as a gates and gas. All our rules are towards gates and gas. We don't have any rules that govern him as an affiliate. They don't say anything what he can and can't do. So an affiliate can take his medallion and maybe give it to a third person or a fourth person or a fifth person, and that's what the problem is. I have run the three-layer rule through the district attorney's office to see if we could get some relief criminally, and it's so vague that they are not going to issue any type of criminal complaints against it. So I concur with what you're saying in that it needs to be more defined. It needs to be more spelled out what a layer is, what a layer isn't. But I also have to state that, Mr. President, your questions were absolutely outstanding. They were questions that I asked through this investigation. Show me your documents. Show me your income returns. Show me your tax returns. Show me that you're not making a profit by helping these cover schemes, because that's not what the people that are talking to us are saying. And I also am concerned that I'm hearing that Mr. Al-Sali has been obeying the rules and following the rules, when in reality he wasn't. On 8-13, he possessed property that belonged to the airport that was city and county property that was in his possession, and he refused to give it up. The police department had to tow his vehicle, take it to impound, and physically remove it from the vehicle ourselves. On 8-22, he was brought into the unit, and he was discovered he didn't even have a driver's license, yet he's out there driving and acting as a cab driver. Violation of the law. His A-card was seized because of it. Sergeant Reynolds, I think we're getting into the next case on that, so if you could stay away from that section. But anything related to this? Right. Okay. And I would like the attorney to address that situation with the transponders in the airport, because that was raised in our complaint. At a certain point, we need to decide whether we're going to accept these decisions or not. So I'm going to take this as our city's rebuttal, what you've just said, and then go to Ms. Permenter, and you can do your rebuttal. And then we'll go to public comment. We simply want to leave you this evening with the fact that there is no statutory authority whatsoever. If there was such authority, then it would be clear to all, including Mr. Al-Asali, as to what his conduct should or should not have been. He wants to follow the laws and do what is right. And this is simply not possible when it's not clear, when even an attorney cannot understand it. As we found out tonight, the DA themselves have not been able to find these laws very ambiguous. So if these laws are defined and we are able to understand what they are, then all people, the color scheme companies, the medallion holders, and people like Mr. Al-Asali will know what their roles should and should not be and abide by them. So we just request that you do follow the findings of Julie Rosenberg, who has heard this case on September 19th of this year. And we thank you very much. Jordana, do you want to? Okay. I'm going to take public comment now. Anyone who wants to public comment on this for two minutes? 
it really saddens me that the taxi commission has no idea of how taxi cabs operate or worked. The example I would give you is many medallion holders lease a color scheme and lease a radio but they operate the cab themselves and one of the interesting things that appears to be and I do not profess any particular knowledge of this case was the case of an owner who was going into hospital and asked somebody and it doesn't matter who to help him find a driver to run his cab because then if his cab was not running then you would prosecute him under the 90-day rule for not running his taxi. And here he is conforming with the law and you are saying, oh, that's not a bad thing. The next example I will give you, which is an even simpler example, many taxi companies, not yellow, charge owners if they don't appear for a particular shift, if they are shifted. We're not talking about 800 hours, we're not talking about 156, it's just if I am scheduled to drive tomorrow morning and do not turn up, and they are unable to find a driver, I will be charged for that shift. But if somebody else, if I phone up my friend and say, will you drive for me, what does that make me? Does that make me a manager? Or if my friend says, oh yes, so-and-so, he drives for yellow all the time. He's got an A card which says yellow on it. I'll phone him and he'll take that shift. Is that not perfectly legal? Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening again, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab. Uh, two members of our management team, John Lazar and Tom Stangolini, uh, submitted uh, declarations in this case, and uh, hopefully they were uh, helpful to you in shedding some light on this rather, uh, the rather op opaque uh, business practices uh, involved here. And I just I wanted to say that uh, uh, both of those gentlemen uh, stand by uh, their declarations uh, 100%. Thank you. Charles, can you tell me whether or not Luxor in general is still engaged in these types of uh, go-betweens, let's call them? Well, Commissioner, uh, can I defer uh, to, I don't uh, want to, put you on the spot. to the president of the company on that? Uh, sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. I'm Sylvia Johnson, and uh, on this uh, color scheme and this reputation, I, I say in the world, what kind of liberty stands, uh, because there's been a lot of companies, a lot of businesses, and how much money behind all this really doesn't make us any situation and improve in our world, I don't see where the, that uh, this law shouldn't even exist in the color scheme of grandeurs. I think I agree with what Sylvia said, but I'm not certain. Um, I came into this without any preconceived notions, and uh, I just found out ten minutes ago about 
Julie Rosenberg's decision. I think she's been fair throughout her tenure as a hearing officer, and she's recommended light rather than heavy discipline in this case, and I think that is a good idea. I think the bigger issue is what you want to do in the future about brokers or de facto brokers. And as Paul, the president here, pointed out, in New York City is an important player in the industry as the broker. And I think actually a question was asked. As best I can tell, what really happens is this. We've gotten to the point where some of the new medallion holders are coming from other cultures more so than before. These individuals trust certain other individuals, people from their countries and neighboring countries, more than they trust certain general managers of cab companies. And this is how this sort of gets started where there's a go-between. I would suggest actually you hammer the medallion holders to some extent and hold them responsible. What I would recommend, say, the Rules Committee, there should probably be some training, like a three-hour session for new medallion holders, and make them sign that they understand certain rules and there will be consequences if they pay the gates to someone who's not with a color scheme if your purpose is to get rid of brokers or de facto brokers. So those are my general comments. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak on this? Good evening. My name is Bashir Rahimi, and I'm a driver for the Soda Cabs. I know Mr. Asadi, and he's a very good man. He's a poor, innocent man to try to help a medallion owners. But this poor guy getting impounded because he is from a different country and a different religions. However, he welcome to use my property. I have a property in the city of San Francisco for 10 years, lease, and approved for 125 parking cabs to be used it as a cab permits over there in a color scheme, and I have a medallion on us. I saw that man two years ago, and I saw him six months ago. But this poor man does not have no money to make a broker himself. He does not collect no man to any, 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 any getting any money from any persons. The only thing poor guy was did it was help him from his heart, and he speak the same language for those people. Now, because such as he's a guy on the left and right and pounding and take him to Jordan Bilzenberg, she was order me. You take her decisions. Now is a come to him. He don't want to take when when Rosenberg was order me to my medallion get revoked. Mr. President, you said, oh yeah, Judy Rosenberg said she's the judge. Now this Judy Rosenberg getting the order to get him a light. He's not. He's an innocent man. So according to her, when she's an honorable judge. And now, you know, because you have a different religions, and you and all of you come in and pound him. Oh, no, we don't believe Rose and Joseph Now it's different. However, that's all I want to say to all of you. Please take it off the prejudice. He's a good, hard-working man, have no money, he's not a broker, and I did offer him my property and my medallion to be in this position to be a broker, but he cannot afford it. So now he's getting impounded by no reasons. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm not sure what to say, but if you had the power to put people under oath and ask them questions, you'd get to the bottom of this because you're not getting any, you're not going to get any truth because everything's all done behind closed doors. And your question to Charles, is that going on? There's no way for Charles to know. The medallion owner can come to you, come to him and say, I'm going to run my own cab. And then he disappears, whoever, some broker takes over and he's hiring the drivers and he's charging whatever gate he wants to and 
Nobody's going to tell you the truth about anything. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. I'm going to refer you this case versus another case. And I would like to draw the attention of Mr. Arthur Tom and Susan Lee on this case. They were not aware, but you other commissioners were here. And I came to you on a similar case, and I brought you 100 times, page after page after page, that Green Cab is using a medallion in Regent Cab and collecting the gate. They were using the medallion in Regent Cab, hiring the drivers, and collecting the gate on that. Did you suspend the license of Green Cab? No. Did you put them under 20 different obligations? No. Did you collect any fine from them? No. That case was heard right here a couple of times by you. Did you suspend there anything? No. I have heard from drivers who don't speak good English, who has a problem, that when they go to office, they are asked by Scott certain way the words to admit. And I have a problem with that, and I would request in the future the people of ethnic backgrounds, there should be a third party engaged with that who can translate to them their rights and give them a chance to save their position. I do respect the taxi commission, I do respect their office, but there need to be a fair process. Here you have to go for a fair process. This person is challenging that he is targeted as an Arabian. Whereas in other case, you let the other people go for your own political reasons. Thank you. Anyone else would like to speak, express their opinions? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, Ms. Parmenter, could you come up again one more time because I just want to, again, on the record, ask, ask this, these questions. Um, when Mr. El Sali was acting in this capacity for permit holders, did he collect the nightly or daily rental fees from the drivers who were driving his medallions, and did he pay the medallion holders a monthly fee? I do not know. Can you ask him? Did he collect? Did he collect the money from his drivers who were driving the daily or nightly shifts, and did he then transfer money to the color scheme to the permit holder on a monthly basis to pay? That's what I, that's the question. Whether he acted in that role.
my client declines to answer that question. I have advised him to decline to answer that question because we believe that the question at hand before this board commission tonight is whether there is statutory authority to sanction him, and there is not, and that is what our position is this evening. Okay. And it would be the same answer if I asked whether or not he purchased the vehicles and whether he purchased the insurance? It would. My understanding is that if a medallion holder would ask him to assist him with things, then he would do those things with him. That's my understanding of what's going on. Wait, can you repeat that again? If a medallion holder or a color scheme company asked him to assist with perhaps searching for drivers or he would recommend something with them. No, I'm not talking about searching for drivers. I'm talking about the person who collected the money and told the driver how much they would pay and then transferred or dispersed a monthly lease payment to the permit holder, whether he acted in that role. He declines to answer that question, and I have advised him to decline to answer. Okay. And it would be the same about purchasing the vehicles and purchasing the insurance, and I assume it would be the same if I asked you the question whether he knowingly helped to falsify waybills, for instance? He did not falsify any waybills whatsoever. That I can answer for you. And furthermore, the color scheme company is responsible for these actions. So perhaps the color scheme company asked him to help. Those questions are really for the color scheme company, not for Mr. Al-Asali. Okay. Thank you. Unless there's any other questions. I just have a question. For the lawyer? Well, I just checked. The declarations that we have in our packet from various drivers and company people, were these administered under oath? The declarations that you have attached from various individuals are sworn under penalty of perjury. I find it very difficult to believe that these people would lie. I believe them. When you say these people, who are you referring to? The declarations. I think there's a lot of evidence that however we define the broker, whatever, that he was operating on a fourth layer. I mean, that satisfies me. And that's sort of my sense, just all these different declarations that we have. Okay, commissioners. I don't find it difficult, even if you want to talk the argument that someone's sick and they have someone help them out. I don't have any problem separating that from someone who's doing this on a continuing basis. So, Commissioner Giordano, you want to explain our options again? We have the ability to either accept this decision tonight or we can vote to rehear the case or we can vote to modify the penalty in some way? Yes. In other words, we could vote to revoke the medallion tonight without rehearing the case necessarily. Is that an option? You could vote to revoke the... The ACARD, I mean. If you accept the factual findings of the... You could also assess a fine in addition to it or in lieu of or increase the fine. There's rule violations noted in the complaint. So you're not bound by the $650. That's just a recommendation to you. So, yeah, you could overturn the recommend or not overturn. You would not accept the recommendation. You would assess a recommendation of your own. 
Well, personally, I don't know how I would go about changing the numeric amount, but my own gut feeling about this is that we haven't really gotten to the bottom of this yet and that I didn't get a clear understanding as a result of tonight's hearing exactly what role Mr. Elisali played and why it was so important for him to emerge as someone that this industry needed. And yet I'm reading Ms. Rosenberg's decision and I understand how she came to the conclusion that she did. And I will say that I think this needs another rule specifically prohibiting this behavior. So maybe I should stop talking for a second and let you guys say something. Well, just, you know, there's laws on the books that doesn't specifically say every little detail. You know, murder is murder. It doesn't matter if you do it with a knife, a gun, or whatever, right? It's still murder on the books. It doesn't specify how it's done. A point in this is that in Rosenberg's opinion or statement here, that the commission did establish that he violated MPC 1110 and Rule 6A4. So in those two things, that's about being not forthright with your testimony. That is something that you can suspend a permit for. And that was found by Rosenberg. That is something I think we all need to consider. And I'm going to go back to, you know, I got to believe that this is about exploiting drivers and making them pay more than the Board of Supervisors established the gate fee to be. You know, I'm sitting in this chair. I got to go with that one. I tried to get a direct answer to that question, and that was the question that was just refused to. And you're not going to get an answer to that. But I got to believe that. Why else would you do this? Why else? So your preference in this case would be? To suspend, revoke, revoke the accord. That would be my preference. Go right down the line here with Commissioners. Commissioner Benjamin, would you like to weigh in on this? I want to reserve until later. I don't think you have the seniority to do that, but go ahead. Men? I would like to continue this case. I would like to have Rules Committee to look into the lines that Julie Rosenberg says. Even if Mr. Alicelli's accord was revoked, it would not prevent him from brokering. I don't want to just pick an individual one person. Rather, I'd like to see some kind of structure and some kind of the regulations that it makes it concrete. And that means it says the most effective way to eliminate brokering by outside party is to enact a law specifically prohibiting brokering or this nature. Absent new legislation, the Commission needs to enforce a law which prohibits more than three layers of leases against the medallion and color scheme holders. That brings me back to perhaps Rules Committee should 
really probably look into what can be done. Um, that kind of gets me that I would not be able to make a decision now to revoke his A card. So therefore, I would suggest to have this meeting continue and rules committee decide and come up with some kind of solution to this. And this can continue to MTA, you know, uh, decision later. But uh, I think it is important. This is like a tip of iceberg, but I don't think just picking at one person is going to do anything. It's not going to stop that brokering act, and he's not the only one And in terms of brokering activities is out there. So that's what I think. Patricia Ball? Um, well, I, I would have a hard time. I, I feel in my mind that the three-layer, he's broken the three-layer regulation, which is on the board. To establish a rule and, and tighten it up needs to be done, but I don't see if, if you can do that and then retroactively call him back and make him comply with the new regulations. I don't think that would be right. I also, have, and I shouldn't have felt when I read this thing through the first time, I felt that the hearing officer just didn't get it in terms of what a color scheme, what the case was trying to say. And I just, in terms of definition, I just sort of felt that way. And I think that his uh, permit should be revoked. Okay. Mr. Tom? It seems like Mr. Ellis Alley would be enjoying the, the benefits of the uh, color scheme without the uh, liabilities if uh, something happened with a driver or a car. And it seems like he's taking the good parts of the business without uh, suffering through all the um, red tape and rigmarole that color schemes have to do. And that's not fair to the industry. And um, as uh, Min pointed out, Commissioner Pack, in an analogy, if there's a, a bunch of cars speeding down the freeway and a, a, a cop car can only pick one of them, should he let them go because the other cars, he couldn't stop three cars at one time? I don't think so. Um, there has to be some accountability in, in this case, and I wasn't here as Tarek Mahmood pointed out for the earlier one, there, there might be a, a, a wind of change. There has to be, we have to hold ourselves to a, a higher standard. And uh, so uh, in this case, I, I think I would revoke. Mr. Benjamin or Breslin? Yes. Well, I'm still, uh, it's hard for me to separate these two uh, cases tonight because I've read the other uh, information about driving without a driver's license and uh, doing an assortment of other things that uh, I could see that very easily for revocation of his A card. Uh, in this particular case, I'm only sympathetic for the idea that we don't have it down pat. It's exactly how to define uh, what he has done, and I do believe that he has been brokering. But we're back to square one again. So I would say that I am in favor of taking away his A card, but I don't know whether it would be for these particular reasons at this time. No, it's my turn. Okay. 
This is a very difficult decision for all of us because we're all partially leaning, well, maybe not all of us. Some of us are just right there. But I've been hearing some people weighing in on continuing it, getting the ducks in a row, you know, making sure everything's right, and others saying, well, don't let one person go just because we don't have every, we've let the others go, so to speak. But I will say this afternoon we had a rules committee meeting, and we were going to address the rules on this particular issue. And we decided to hold over and wait until tonight to see what this case brought forward. And for me, what it brought forward is it's clarified the areas which definitely need to be tightened up. I feel now I can go back to the rules committee and really draw out some rules that would address each area. The reason I'm saying that is the hearing officer has gone in a definite direction. And what is it, through the chair to the city attorney, what's the next step that is open to Mr. Alessali if we decided to revoke tonight and he disagreed with our decision? He has another step he can process. To the board of appeals and so on. I see this going a long route, a long route. And what I think is we go directly to establish some rules, and we bring a complaint against him if he continues this type of behavior. I mean, he is a known individual out there that we feel could possibly, that it looks like he's doing brokering. All right, he's known. So I say establish the rules and see if he's doing brokering. We have all the names of the individuals he works with. We have the different companies that he's been taking medallions and brokering, quote, unquote, for. I can't call it brokering right at this point. Right. But that's the route I would go so that he doesn't get lost in this hearing process and we can't just, you know, get him when we're ripe, when we're able to do it well. But that's my thought. If the majority wants to revoke tonight, I have some serious issues with the different accusations that were made against this individual, and I would go with the majority. However, I think the wiser route is to get the rules in place and then just trail him. Just do it. So you're saying to accept the hearing officer's recommendations of the fine and not to revoke? And if you wanted to place a heavier fine, I could go along with that. But it's not because I don't think there's some suspicious activity here. Right. It's because I want to make sure that we're going down the right path and that he doesn't take up more of the city's time with something that we can't prove at this point. How was that fine established? Why is that figure just so? It seems like it's low for this type of an offense. Is that statute? That's a schedule? Okay. Yeah, and those are for the false statements only, not for anything else that is alleged here. She found that he did make false statements, and that's what the penalties are assessed for. Yeah, we talked a little bit in the Rules Committee today, but some of the regulations are classified as minor, moderate, and major, and some of them are classified municipal police code. Again, there were two separate case theories. One of the case theories was 
operating without a permit, and one of the case theories was these other issues about the brokering. So, again, that's, there were two case theories on that. Okay, so I'm hearing kind of clearly that we have Commissioner Breslin, Benjamin, and Pack sort of on one side here, and Commissioner Onetto and Tom and Suval in another way, and I haven't really said how I feel exactly on this. So I'm going to allow Vice President Breslin to make a motion, if you would like to, on this. Without you making a decision. Yeah. What's he doing currently? Is there any restrictions on his activities currently? Is this under summary suspension right now? Is the medallion under summary suspension, the A card? On this particular case, there were no specific facts that would give rise to a public health and safety, quote, unquote, because that is usually issues of, you know, whether or not someone's legally able to drive, et cetera. These were financial issues and issues of operating without a permit. Again, the second case theory, not just the brokering. Yeah, we have a second. Additionally, the second one is the summary suspension. Now, under that, there are several grounds that we believe give rise to public health and safety, and so for those reasons, it's under summary suspension for that. So the A card is under summary suspension currently, but not on this case. But not for this case. Okay. You understand? Will we be hearing that second case? Yes, tonight, after this. Right. Okay. Vice President Breslin, I'm going to let you make a motion on this. All right. I make a motion that – and wait, I do have to ask one more question. I heard Commissioner Benjamin ask it, but I didn't hear the answer about the fines. It's due to a – It's statutory. It's statutory, so there's no way to increase or – That's what Tom said. Okay. So in that case, I make a motion to accept the hearing officer's decision and also, through the call of the chair, move this to rules committee to tighten up the regulations. I'll second it. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Or definitions, rather, of brokering. We can do a roll call vote on this. A roll call vote to accept the hearing officer's decision. Sorry. President Gillespie. I think I go last, but you can start. Okay. Commissioner Netta. No. Commissioner Benjamin. Yes. Commissioner Pack. Yes. Vice President Breslin. Yes. Commissioner Suval. No. Commissioner Tom. No. President Gillespie. Yes. So how many? So what is the score? 4-3. Passes. Okay. Passes. But now we have the second case to hear. Okay. That concludes that item. So we're on to the next item. Agenda item 3, actually, right? Or was it 4? Yes. Yes. I 
had asked for a continuance with, um, I'm sorry, I had asked for a continuance with regards to this second matter, with regards to the summary suspension. The reason being is I was very much consumed with this matter, and I only had a chance to get into some of the details, which I thought, Mr. Alessari, I would like to just say here that he does have a valid license. It was a matter of a ticket that had not been paid, and he got that paid immediately. Okay, we're not into it yet. Okay, I'm gonna, I would just like we're to We're going to continue with, we're going to. Oh, thank you. We're gonna, no, not continuing. We're going to hold the hearing tonight. Yes, we'll be holding this next item okay, tonight. You. Okay. So the next item is agenda item three. It's a disciplinary case, Tax Commission versus Dries Elisali, known as Elisali 2. It's an action item. Consideration of summary suspension of P44 driver's permit 52819 for violations of California Vehicle Code sections 12500 uh, subsection A, 14601.1A, Municipal Police Code section 1089A, and rules 6A1, 6A2, 6A4, and 6B5. Now, in this case, I can be an advocate and will do so uh, in my full capacity as an attorney. I will tell you that um, this uh, summary suspension has issued for reasons of public health and safety. The Commission feels very strongly that this individual should not be part of the industry. Uh, not only did we issue a summary suspension in this matter for an individual that did not have a driver's license, but in fact, the individual flouted the law, flouted this Commission's authority, and flouted the authority of the San Francisco Police Department, and proceeded to drive a vehicle, in fact, a vehicle that, according to uh, investigation, was actually being uh, illegally brokered. Um, the individual proceeded to operate this vehicle during a holiday weekend and was, in fact, stopped at a DUI checkpoint. At that DUI checkpoint, the individual proceeded to make false statements to a police officer and uh, later has continued to operate a taxicab vehicle in the city and county of San Francisco, according to investigation. Uh, additionally, according to some declarations attached, is now operating a town car, a limousine, in San Francisco, yet does not have a permit, which would constitute further violation uh, of 1187.1, to say the least, uh, let alone the California Public Utilities uh, Code, which unfortunately we are unable to charge since we haven't yet caught him doing it, but uh, we anticipate that we could were we to spend the enormous resources that it would take to uh, find this individual as a needle in the haystack out operating a vehicle on a nightly basis, according to uh, his own statements to, uh, to one of our declarants in this matter. Uh, we have just spent enormous, enormous resources on this case, um, months and months and months of investigations. And uh, Sergeant Reynolds himself and myself have both individually participated in sting operations attempting to locate this individual repeatedly. And we are, we are asking you to stand by our recommendation here and ask for, we are, we are asking for revocation in this case. Um, there are a couple of declarations, police report attached. I have Sergeant Reynolds here. He can authenticate the police report, uh, talk about some of the content there. It's just, we've just reached the point of no return. All I have. If you could, Jordana, could yeah. you briefly go through the chronology of some of these, the meetings that he had, the when he had his permit suspended, the 
cases that where he was found driving without a license. And just so we have some of this, I know it's all here, but if you could just briefly go through the chronology. Okay. Well, let's see. He came in to, and Sergeant Reynolds can probably go through this a little bit more detail, but I believe it was August 12th he came in. August 12th he came in to the taxi detail unit. It was August 13th. August 13th. August 13th when we discovered that he had been in a taxi on the street. Right. Yeah, I forgot to mention that component of it, and Sergeant Reynolds will talk about this, but we also have an issue of stolen property. And one of the cabs that he was, in our opinion and in our investigation, showed illegally brokering. One of those cabs was stripped of almost all the identifying markings as is required. The color scheme was attempting to comply with that. However, many of the markings were left on it. And it was asked that this property, which is city property, the transponders and the decals are city property, it was asked that they be returned so that the vehicle could not be operated any longer under that color scheme because it would mimic a legitimate cab, which was still a medallion that's a legitimate cab, just no longer that particular vehicle. He refused to do so, and members of the San Francisco Police Department actually had to physically go out and take care of this problem. It's totally unacceptable. Sergeant Reynolds will now testify. The taxi detail got information on 8-13-08 that Royal Taxi was parked on a public street, that it still had its airport decals, it still had its transponder, it still had all the markings and had not been decommissioned. A contact to Dan Borg said that that information was requested back to the airport and that their request to get their property back was ignored. The vehicle was then, in fact, towed with a hold to the taxi detail, and then we physically removed the items, the transponder and the stickers, and returned those back to the airport. There was a police report on file that these items were lost or stolen. On 8-22, I had the individual come into the office to suspend him because it was discovered that he did not have a valid driver's license. On 8-22, he was, in fact, suspended. I personally gave him the suspension and told him that he was not to drive. On 8-26, I checked and found out that he... Sergeant, how did we discover that he didn't have a valid driver's license? When I had the vehicle and he was in possession of stolen property, I started a criminal investigation, and part of that investigation is to check all records and databases. Okay. And how long had he not had a driver's license? Were you able to determine that? Unfortunately, DMV records are considered privileged information, and this is the issue that if I disclose specific facts, I could be in violation of the law. Okay. But you can disclose that he was driving... He was a unlicensed... He was, at that point, did not have a valid license. Okay. Were you able to establish from his waybills that he was driving while it was suspended? At that point, we did not know whether he was operating or not operating. We were looking at him more as a broker than as a driver. That didn't occur until the following month that we knew he was, in fact, driving. On 8-26, as I said, he was still an unlicensed driver. On 9-2-0-8, he was in vehicle 675. He was driving down the street. He got caught in a DUI checkpoint. 
where he was pulled over. Fortunately, the officer that stopped him has been trained by the taxi detail, knew all the proper questions, realized that he did not have an A card, he did not have a driver's license, and calls were made to the color scheme, and they said that this person wasn't even supposed to be in that vehicle. And therefore, he was then arrested at that point for all of the above violations. So that's been the chronological events that's happened. So on that Gary Boulevard sting operation, he was found not to have a company ID, no A card, and no valid driver's license. Correct. Okay. Was it Gary or was it Lombard? I think it says Gary Boulevard here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what was the outcome of the royal cab with the transponders and all that? Those were seized and returned back to the airport. Okay. After it was in police custody. Do we know whether Mr. El Sali has got a valid driver's license now or a valid A card? He shouldn't have a valid A card because we seized that, and that should be in our possession. With regards to the driver's license. You seized the A card on what date? I seized the A card on 8-22. 8-22? 8-22-08, yes. That was when he was suspended and his card was taken. Okay. And when did he get that A card? I think I read somewhere where he got it in February of 08, which is past our deadline. He originally got his A card in 2000. 2000. Yeah. And did he get an A card every year up until? I can look in my file if you give me a moment. Yeah. Because one thing that stuck out in me is that he seemed to have renewed his A card for 2008 in February, which is actually past the deadline of renewal. Actually, it's May 1st. Prior to May 1st, they can get it renewed, but there is a subsequent fine or penalty for waiting that long. So May 1st is after April 30th, you have to go through the whole process again. You cannot renew an A card on May 1st. And after January 31st, though, you pay a fine? You pay an additional penalty, yes. Okay. Yeah. Our records show that actually he has paid his A card late every year until going back at least as far back as the Treasurer's Office records show, which is 2005. He renewed it February 7th of 2005. Actually, it looks like that was a new. That's interesting. I'm not sure what happened there. On April 19th, he renewed it for the calendar year 2006. So that was almost at the point of having to go to taxi school again. January 16th for 2007 and February 20th for 2008. So one of those four years it was renewed on time, and the other four it was renewed late, but not so late that he would have had to be retrained. Yes. In one of them it was in the grace period, and in the others it was in the penalty phase. Expired every single time, however. I have a question about the suspended driver's license. It says that the reason was just failure to appear, and then later on in several court appearances. To me it's important to know were these 
uh, court appearances for traffic violations or non-vehicle related? Is there any way that we know whether they were vehicle related or non? If you don't know, if you don't. One, I could look, but I'm not sure whether I'm privileged to give you that information under 503 of the Penal Code. Again, that is a privileged document from DMV. Now, if we got the court records, we might be able to actually find out what the court says and when they issued the bench warrant or the arrest, or I should say the hold on his driving privilege. Because it is important, you know, just in the weight of things, if that was vehicle related, you know, safety-wise. You could ask the defendant. However, since one of the charges is false statements to official members of the government, I would not count on the reliability of said statements before this body. I think the attorney is required to give a truthful statement if she knows, so we'll work with that. Okay. We have our presentation from the city. I'll give seven minutes to Ms. Parmenter. Thank you, Commissioners. As I stated earlier, I'm really not very prepared to argue this matter before you, but I will do my best because I would like to get this matter resolved tonight. What occurred, to my understanding, is that Mr. Elisali returned from the country of Morocco, and I don't know if it was the next night or a short time thereafter, he was very sleepy or due to the time change, he received a call from Sergeant Reynolds at his home, and Sergeant Reynolds indicated that there was a problem with, I believe it's the missing, the alleged pieces in the taxi cab, the decals and the transponder. And Mr. Elisali immediately told Sergeant Reynolds that he would immediately come into Sergeant Reynolds' office, which he did. I don't know if it was that day or the following day. He completely wanted to cooperate with Sergeant Reynolds. He explained to Sergeant Reynolds when he arrived there and was asked about these things that he was in the process of returning them, but that he would like to get another medallion holder to be able to take that car. But the color scheme company was fully aware that Mr. Elisali was in possession of those pieces, so there really is absolutely no stolen property whatsoever. Mr. Elisali did not illegally take anything from anyone, nor did he fail to report or fail to go to Sergeant Reynolds or do anything of that nature. So these allegations that there is stolen property here are completely false. Thereafter, it was discovered when he went to Sergeant Reynolds, Sergeant Reynolds indicated to him that he believed that his driver's license had been suspended. Mr. Elisali was completely unaware of this. I have learned from Mr. Elisali that this was as a result, I believe he hired an attorney to deal with the ticket, and there's apparently some non-appearances. The ticket involved Mr. Elisali not while driving a taxi, but in a personal business. He had not been, not personal business, but on a personal matter, he had not been wearing his safety belt, and he got a ticket for that. And apparently the attorney, for some reason, did not 
pay that or whatever happened. There was non-appearance or whatever. It was the confusion. And according to the records I have, and I'm more than willing to share that with the commission, it is a DMV record, which Mr. Al-Asali has. It had occurred what appears to be less than 10 days prior to this. So Mr. Al-Asali was not aware that his license was suspended. He attempted to go and pay that downstairs, but it was closed. So he again contacted the attorney. It's another attorney, I believe, South San Francisco. And he gave the documents to the secretary, and they said they would take care of it. And also Sergeant Reynolds indicated on the day that he went to see him, Sergeant Reynolds indicated that as soon as he fixed his license, everything would be okay, and, you know, he was permitted to drive. These were the understandings of Mr. Al-Asali. So he believed he had his driver's license when he went to pay these things at his lawyer. And in addition, he thought his A card immediately would be given back to him when his license was again valid, which he thought would occur immediately because he was more than willing to pay the fine, which I'm not sure what it was, but less than $300, I assume. And so he did all these things. That day that he was driving, he was authorized to drive. His A card was never suspended. There was some indication that was sent out by the taxi commission stating that, please be advised that the taxi commission and the taxi detail summarily suspended the permit of Dries Al-Asali. To me, I do not know of any decision by the taxi commission that I received or Mr. Al-Asali received that his A card was suspended. So it is my understanding that Sergeant Reynolds took his A card away from him when he found out that his license was not valid at that juncture, and he asked him to take care of it right away. So when he was at the – he did not give any false statements when he was given a ticket at the – I suppose it was a DUI stop. Mr. Al-Asali cooperated fully, and, you know, he thought he had all his proper documents, and he did not. But he received a ticket, and when he went back to Sergeant Reynolds with his valid license again to say that he had taken care of the suspension, Sergeant Reynolds refused to give him his A card. So these are – this is what transpired. And so it's very clear to us that we did not – there was no intention. There was definitely no stolen property whatsoever, and there was absolutely no intention to do anything illegal. With regards to the first matter, there's also confusion. Julie – Judy Rosenberg did not suspend his license and his permit to drive, and the taxi commission had not suspended his permit to drive. There's also something further in the complaint, in the second complaint, is that the taxi commission has somehow gotten a declaration from a Mr. – I believe it's a Mr. Garcia at the airport. Mr. Al-Asali was at the airport on personal matter dropping off a friend. He was not driving a taxi or anything, and he was found by this person and asked all these questions, stating that the taxi commission was looking for him and whatnot. Mr. Al-Asali is represented by my office. Should there be any need to communicate with him, I can be contacted, and I will immediately attempt to contact him. So there was really no juncture whatsoever where Mr. Al-Asali was out and about and could not be found. And this is what's in the 
declaration which the taxi commission has submitted. So we're very concerned about that because we do not understand. And also there seems to be some critique of the taxi commission, which in essence is free speech. And we do not think it's prejudicial and really has no place in this particular matter. Thank you. What was the... I have a... Go ahead. What was the date of the hearing in the court when his license was suspended? There was no hearing in the court when his license was ever... Oh, I'm sorry. With his driver's license. I'm sorry. What I have here, it's a little bit... I'm not very clear. There was a failure to appear on 8... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. On 8905. 8-9. He was stopped on the 13th? He was stopped... I'm not quite certain. I believe it was... When was he stopped on Geary Street? What was the date of that? 31st. On the 31st. He was present in court when his license was suspended? No, he was not. He did not know that this was occurring because he had given... He had an attorney handling those tickets, or that ticket, I should say. And the ticket was for a seatbelt. It was only one violation, the seatbelt? Yes, for a seatbelt violation. And he had given it to his attorney, and he thought the attorney would take care of it. And it's my understanding, of course, that Mr. El-Asali was in Morocco for quite some time, so I'm not sure if there's... I believe there's some time when he was probably in Morocco thinking everything was taken care of when it was not. So I think that's what transpired here. Sergeant, we have the A-card now of Mr. El-Asali, so that's been in our possession since what date? He was summarily suspended on August 22nd, 2008. If there's a printout, I'd like to see it. I mean, there's been reference to it, and I would like to see that record. Okay, so on August 22nd, Mr. El-Asali, in person, surrendered his A-card to Sergeant Reynolds. Do you agree on that fact? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys will have our staff have a rebuttal time on yours, but right now we're in questions on this first round. So my question is, on August 22nd of this year, he, in person, surrendered his A-card? It is my understanding that what transpired is, as I said, he had returned from Morocco either the day before or two days prior. He was very sleepy. He received a call from Sergeant Reynolds. He went down as soon as he could, and then Sergeant Reynolds indicated that there was a suspended license and that I do not know what transpired with the A-card, but Sergeant Reynolds informed Mr. El-Asali that as soon as he fixed that, then he would get his A-card back. Okay, well, that's what I'm trying to determine, is whether on August 22nd he personally surrendered his A-card to us, and we have held that A-card until today. Okay, so that's a fact. He signed the summary suspension, and also the signatures of Sergeant Reynolds, Lieutenant Schlotz, and myself appear on this document, and he personally signed it and surrendered the A-card at that time. Okay, so then my question is... And the valid driver's license issue as well. That came after, but he was initially brought down for what? Allow me to read the summary suspension to you. Pursuant to Municipal Police Code Section 1090C, which governs summary suspension, so it was suspended as of that day, notice is hereby given that as of August 22nd, the Tax Commission and Police Department have suspended your A-card. 
you do not have a valid California driver's license as required by the municipal police code and the rules and regulations. In addition, you are in possession of a taxi cab vehicle, which property has been declared lost property by Royal Taxi pursuant to, and it goes on. So as of that date, he knew that there were two grounds for the summary suspension, the lost property and the California driver's license issue. And when was his driver's license reinstated? It was reinstated on September 2nd of 2008 after he experienced the DUI checkpoint. Okay, so that's the point I'm getting to, is I'm trying to establish what his legal status was on the night of August 31st. And as I understand it, his legal status on the night of August 31st was that he didn't have a valid A card and he didn't have a valid California driver's license, and yet he was operating a taxi on that night. What the situation is, as I understand it, is that Mr. Al-Asali attempted to pay for his license to be valid. However, he went over to his attorney again and handed them the documents, and he believed that the attorney had taken care of that as well. So he believed his license was fully operational. Well, if he didn't have his license in his pocket, on the night of August 31st when he was stopped on Gary Boulevard, did he have a valid California driver's license in his pocket and did he have a valid San Francisco A card in his pocket? It is my understanding that he did have the valid California driver's license. However, it had been suspended, and Mr. Al-Asali thought that it was valid and had been taken care of. The ticket had been taken care of. Well, according to this, the officer stated that Mr. Al-Asali said that he owned the vehicle and his license was at home. Not that he had a suspended license in his pocket, but that his license was at home. Then I'm sorry. If that's what it says, this is my understanding. I think you're both saying the same thing. He stated that, and then that was when he was told his driver's license was suspended. But he did say it was at home, but then secondly came it was suspended. Okay. So that's the crux of my problem with this is that he seemed to be driving on this night, and just through chance, really, even though our staff, our city, the city had suspended his license, he was out there driving anyway, and it was just through pure chance that there was a checkpoint that caught him driving without a driver's license and without an A card. So I have a real problem with that level of sort of disregard for, anyway, we're in the question mode now and not deliberation so much. So we're going to go to two minutes now for the staff to follow up or do a rebuttal, and we'll give you two minutes to follow up there. Okay. So the issue, you know, that's clarified, that's been clarified tonight is that the California driver's license was suspended for a seatbelt ticket. That's great that it wasn't a more serious offense such as a DUI or, you know, some other like a vehicular manslaughter or whatever, but the issue remains, the fact remains that the license was suspended. It was suspended, and he continued to operate a vehicle. You know, there's a lot more serious issues here, too. Lying to the San Francisco Police Department, and once he knew he was suspended, just flouting the law, just totally disregarding the authority that this commission has. It is our duty to regulate the taxi cab industry to protect the public, and this flies in the face of the very purpose of regulation if we are attempting to exercise our authority to protect the public and to serve the public, and individuals just 
do as they like, as a law unto themselves. And, you know, San Francisco may be the very most Western place in this country, but that does not mean that we abrogate our responsibility to the public. As far as the laws are concerned, individuals must obey the laws of this industry and the municipal police code. Um, Director Thickbin, could you just uh, give the example of the case where we believe he's he's made false statements to, to the police in this, in this instance, so we have those on on record where he's we believe he's made false statements well he he tried to defraud the officer he lied to the officer by saying well my license is at home and whether or not he's talking about a, an actual piece of plastic the fact is when you're talking to a police officer and you say oh yeah I left my license at home the understanding between reasonable people is that you're you're saying oh I just happen to leave my physical card at home just like you would say I left my registration at home or I'm sorry I don't have it with me that's a citable offense in and of itself but the fact remains that even if the piece of plastic was at home the license was suspended and he had knowledge of that not only through official process from the DMV but from this office and the police department where we specifically cited for the reasons indicated in the summary suspension one of those reasons was no valid California driver's license and um, you know under civil law um, when an individual, uh, when there's an injury, for example, someone s slips on a stair, for example, and, and falls down, later evidence that that stair has been repaired uh, is generally inadmissible in court. But here we're dealing with a permits issue, and I would also offer the fact that he immediately on September 2nd went down, realizing that he was in, uh, well, he was in a lot more, um, you know, in a world of hurt, as it were at that point and he came down and he he did take care of the seatbelt issue again we're thankful that it wasn't a more serious issue but when we have individuals like this that continually lie to police and continually flout this commission's authority it disrespects the entire purpose of our existence and just again to follow up on august twenty second when we physically retrieved the a card of mr alisali it was made clear to him that 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 precluded him from acting as a taxi driver in San Francisco, that you are now, I mean, I'm sure that that was, you know, communicated to him, but I just want to hear that from you, that that was clearly communicated to him. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. I, I have to ask, uh, because uh, to me, there are enough facts here that I don't want to belabor something about lying, because I'm not seeing the lie here, and so I, I guess I need to clarify that, because what I'm seeing here is, he was asked where his license was. He said it was at home, and then he was told it was suspended. Did he have a hard copy of his license's home that was suspended, and he didn't know it was suspended until he was told it was suspended? I just don't want to be calling names if it's not true. I, I think it's more than reasonable that if you are pulled over at a DUI checkpoint by a police this officer. This is before the DUI checkpoint. This is on 822. The DUI checkpoint was much later than that. So are you asking if he made false statements to Sergeant Reynolds? No, I'm, I'm asking why we're assuming he lied. I mean, did he have a hard copy of his driver's license in his pocket? Oh, I mean, why are we assuming he lied? I'm, I'm so sorry to clarify, but I wasn't saying that the false statements were anything to do with August 22nd. I was referring to the false statements to the DUI checkpoint officer. Okay, because that's, that's, what that's I was not how it's written here in my report. Okay, it's not. I think I think we've skipped one thing here that's uh, really important on the idea of the taxi cab number 899. This cab is registered to him, and 
he does not have a medallion. Who has that medallion at 899? Um, a post-game medallion holder. I'd have to look. I'd have to check. And so he buys a taxi cab and drives it and then doesn't give it up because it had the decals and the transponder on it. It's not about, uh, it's about the specific property. The transponder and decals can I be I understand the by property, but the problem is that he's operating a taxi cab like that. That is correct. You know. Um, I just want to clarify. I, I did have one more question, though. We haven't even addressed the fact that um, it says he had a uh, driver for public vehicle for hire permit number and that the taxi details showed that he had that number, but then the PUC says, no, he has no number. So I'm, I'm not understanding how he could get in our records. I think the, the PUC is the state limousine correct. license. You've, you've confirmed with the state that he doesn't have a state TCP right, or PUC license. Even that's though he's, correct. We have a testimony that he's made a statement that he's working as a limousine driver. I think that's where that comes in. That's correct. And I just want to clarify one thing that regarding the declaration of Gerson Garcia, we did not search Gerson Garcia out. Uh, what happened was that Gerson Garcia gave statements to his manager out at the airport who then relayed that information to me because we alert different agencies um, who have to deal with taxi cabs when we summarily suspend a permit. That's part of our duty of notice so that you know, the, so that they know. Sure. And so that individual then relayed this information to us. So we, under no circumstances, would we be, you know, searching out uh, Mr. Elisali. Were we to have, need to have contact with him, we would obviously contact his representative. So I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Are there any other questions? Or, Sergeant, do you want to add anything in our rebuttal? Yes, thank you. There is one thing that I would like to bring. Um, I had the page noted. I prepared a police report. That police report number is 080-914-374. And I'd just like to read you one. Uh, the date of this police report was made on 8-1308. I'm sorry, 8-2908. And I'm, I will read you one paragraph. I immediately contacted Dan Borg of the GTU, and he stated the following. Taxicab number 899 was a former Royal taxicab that was decommissioned for another vehicle. Every taxicab medallion has one vehicle assigned to it. When an old taxicab is replaced with a new vehicle, the old vehicle has to turn in the airport decals and transponder to GTU. The decals and transponder is the property of the San Francisco airport. GTU contacted um, Mr. Assisi who was the registered owner of Taxicab 899, California Plate 8 King 43962, and requested the decal and transponder to be returned. He refused to comply with GTU's request. On 6908, 6908, this is now two months earlier, the GTU filed San Francisco Police Department Airport Bureau Incident Number 08 dash 16153 reporting the transponder and decals to be lost or stolen. So as was mentioned earlier by counsel, in fact there is a police report saying that he was in possession of property that had been reported as lost or stolen and he refused to return it to GTU. He refused to turn it to me and the prop and we had to go physically locate the car that was parked on the street and tow it ourselves. 
the rules are very clear that he has to comply, he has to be truthful with, and he has to cooperate with all investigations, including this one, and he failed to do so. Thank you. Okay, Ms. Parmenter, if you'd like to, I'll give you three minutes for your response or rebuttal, and then we'll go to a public comment. One of the things that has come to my attention is that Sergeant Reynolds should have contacted Royal Cab, which was the color scheme on that company, in order to get those things he is alleging Mr. Elisali stole from the taxi. Mr. Elisali has not stolen any property whatsoever. He cooperated with Sergeant Reynolds. He never stole anything, and these allegations are completely false. Sergeant Reynolds, instead of contacting Kiki, who is simply a driver, should have contacted Royal Cab, which was responsible for those particular things on the cab, and he failed to do that, and instead chose to blame Kiki for stolen property, which it is a completely false allegation against my client. I just want to say that Mr. Elisali does want to cooperate fully with all these matters, and he did believe that his minor incident with the safety belt had been taken care of. He wants to drive his taxi. He wants to be in full compliance. He did not purposely go out and neglect to take care of this ticket. He believed that it had, in fact, been taken care of by his attorney, and he also believed when he was driving the taxi that he did, in fact, have a valid license at that time. He does not want to commit any infractions or do anything improper. He's a very serious taxi driver and wants to do everything correctly. One of the other things is that – let me just take a look. I believe that is all. If there's any further questions, I may be able to answer them. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take public comment on this, and then we'll go to our deliberations for one minute. I get one minute? Just on the matter of the royal cab. They take the medallion back. The owner takes the medallion back. He takes his cab somewhere. He refuses to come back with the decals and the stickers. I saw it parked on Golden Gate for weeks and weeks. This business about, oh, no, he didn't steal anything. He refused to bring them back. There's nothing royal cab can do about that. Now, I don't know how many instances of wild irresponsibility you need to get somebody away from this business, but I've never heard anything like the amount of things that this guy has pulled. I know for a fact that he had a driver that I fired at that had two accidents in one day, put him in a yellow cab, and logged him in as a medallion owner. I mean, it just goes on and on. I saw him with a metro cab that I had no knowledge of, none. He's undoubtedly put it in my name, and he's driving it around with no insurance on it. Thank you. What would have happened to Luxor Cab if he'd had a million-dollar claim that night? Thank you. Very briefly, 
commissioners, we have to talk about the facts and not about allegations. And quite frankly, this whole business of the transponder and everything else really smells very bad because it is the color scheme holder's responsibility for the transponder and everything else that is on the cab. And what happens is this. They lease a medallion or they lease a color scheme. And this is part of the thing that you don't want to get into. And then the end of the lease comes or the medallion is pulled and it is their duty to remove the transponder and return it to the airport and remove the identifications. Thank you. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, uh, I mean, commissioners, uh, all of you realize the Jordanas, uh, I mean, uh, uh, my, this, uh, our secretary, um, Jordana Tekpen, testified this man does not have a money to pay his, uh, his uh, um, on time is uh, A cards. So just he doesn't have it, how can we call him a brokers? This man is a poor, innocent man who wants to pay his bills. Right now, economy is really hurting, and we are in a poor situation. And please, commissioners, be don't hard on him just because of a seat bills. Nobody want to cause a big problem if he cannot rid of this problem. And I've been a taxi driver. I go all the time with the attorney. The attorney handle my tickets. Please be uh, be a little bit uh, take it easy right now. Everybody hurting for jobs. Give him his opportunity. Bag his license. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Johnson. And to me, uh, this makes a, a health care issue, and which the world has a very, you know, bad problem with right now. I think this uh, health care issue is one of the main important of our survival, and our children that are involved with taxi car drivers, and because of of a. A small little needle point that we shouldn't be, you know, putting our life into something that is relating with our soul. And a lot of times, this has nothing to do with the of a disease. This is our common sense that we should stand and put stuff on and always take. And our help in the world. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Commissioners, any further questions or any uh, deliberations on this? One question. Yeah. Excuse me. One question. On the, the paperwork of August 22nd, is this Mr. Lasali's signature on the bottom of it? Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. That was my question. Okay. We can talk. 
Well, I mean, I think your question gets to my point, is that Mr. Alicelli clearly knew on August 22nd that his A card was suspended, that he didn't have a valid California driver's license. And yet on August 31st, in a just pure chance, you know, in a sting operation, Mr. Alicelli was driving a taxi cab without those two documents and claimed to the officer that he owned the vehicle, which turned out not to be true. So, you know, we have to nail this down on some real serious and provable facts. And just that night right there is enough for me to endorse a summary suspension revocation of this permit. That's how I feel. I'd also just like to add that that taxi cab number 899 was registered to him. So I don't see how. Now, here we go back to these long term lease things. But if he bought to purchase the vehicle, Royal Cab, and he took off with it, Royal Cab had no way of getting the transponder back because the vehicle was gone. You know, it wasn't in their possession any longer. So they couldn't do that. So that's against that argument there. It's if the vehicle is not there for them to take the transponder off of, they can't do they can't return it to GTU. If that was an excuse for the taxi company, I think that should have been reported. You know, if somebody drives off with your equipment, it's not just a well, goodbye. It's not their car. It's his car. That's the whole point of it. Well, he was he was he was asked to return it and he refused. Isn't that reportable that somebody's driving around with your decals? And well, he did. He Borg reported it and made a police report that is either lost or stolen. It's not so much that he stole it. It's that he refused to return it. And the answer to the attorney about why he would have been called rather than Royal Cab to come down to the taxi detail is because the registered owner is the person that would have to retrieve the vehicle from the impound. So we got here. That's all we have. We have that. What we have on this narrative is that that Mr. Lasalle is the registered owner of a Taurus plate number eight K four three nine six two. This information is coming from Dan Borg at the airport where every vehicle that has a medallion number has a worksheet. And in that worksheet, it talks about who is a registered owner of the vehicle. So that's where that information came from. That's from if you read the police report, I believe it also has the individual's name as a registered owner. The airport police report. OK. Are there any other questions or comments, deliberations by commissioners? The only comment I make is to concur with you, Paul, that our president Gillespie, 
that it is very serious to be driving without an A card and a driver's license. And there was a point at which he didn't know. I would like to believe that he was not lying at the very initial beginning, that maybe he didn't know it was suspended, having been out of the country. But at the point in time where he got caught, he was without an A card, he was without a driver's license. And I do believe that at that point he knew he was driving without that type of licensing. I'm concerned that there's nothing else in here about the town car business other than the statement from the witness. But I do believe, well, I don't know what to believe in that, but I think if he had been, if he was driving a town car, that would only be the icing on the cake. I think there's enough with not having the proper licensing and driving about that it's something that we can't really tolerate because that is a flouting of the regulations. It is. It's very small scale, and we're lucky that it's small scale, same as the seatbelt missing was small scale, but I still think it's not the correct action. Now, whether or not it's a suspension or a revocation, I'd like to hear from the other commissioners. Thank you, Commissioner. And I guess in this case, as the driver representative, I really need to follow up on that in that I feel like a driver who has just had his A card taken away by the police department, who knows he does not have a California driver's license, I guess I don't feel that that's a small thing. I feel that that goes to the very heart of what we do here. I apologize. I should have said unsafe. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like there's a certain arrogance involved, and given some of the other things that we've heard, almost a pattern of arrogance and a pattern of sort of living in a parallel universe or a separate set of rules from everyone else. And I take that very seriously. If this gentleman was in the city's offices and had his A card taken away, and the very next week he's caught driving, and again, just by chance he was caught driving that, you know, how much do we not know about what's gone on with this gentleman? So I find that serious enough to just really, that's it. You know, you've been given a chance to abide by the law, and you haven't, and I'm ready to support a revocation of this A card. So if anybody makes that motion, I'm going to vote for it. Okay. I'll make the motion to revoke Mr. Lasali's A card. I'll second that. Age before beauty. Take a roll call vote. The revocation of Mr. Dries Lasali's A card. Commissioner Netto? Yes. Commissioner Benjamin? Yes. Commissioner Pack? Yes. Commissioner Suval? Yes. Commissioner Tom? Yes. Vice President Breslin? Yes. President Gillespie? Yes. Yes. Seven to zero. The item is revoked. Okay. I would, the DMV printout was submitted at the hearing, so I'd like for it to be part of the official record of the proceeding. Can we make you a copy tomorrow? We don't have a copy machine in here. Well, I would rather that we just keep it for now and give it to you tomorrow. So I'll return now to the special order. Yeah, I want to go to the special order now. I know we're a little late. I apologize for that, but we'll go to special order number 10-1.
item five. And uh, Vice President Breslin, Merry Christmas. Sorry, you have to leave early. I do too. I understand. Life's exigencies. Okay, can I see a show of hands of who would like to speak under public comment tonight? Okay, I'm going to allow two minutes for public comment, so just go ahead and line up. Hi again, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone. Uh, as uh, you're, I'm sure you've all become aware, uh, the taxi industry is perverse or contrary in many, many ways. Uh, the uh, current economic downturn uh, highlights one of those uh, uh, unusual uh, aspects of the cab business. Uh, our phones uh, ring all day long with people looking for positions driving a taxi cab. Uh, anybody who has a taxi cab medallion or a taxi company at this point pretty much just has to answer the phone and they will have every shift filled for the next year, the next couple of years, as long as this recession uh, lasts. There's an important policy implication to this, is that it is no longer any business sense for us to invest 10 cents in advanced dispatch technology. We have vendors coming to Luxor all the time, want to sell us all this, these uh, wonderful uh, enhancements. Many of them are good, and I, I would like to, to see them uh, enacted. However, there's no payoff. We can't get a, excuse me, we can't get a higher gate. We can't get higher rates of fare. It makes make absolutely no business sense to invest in advanced dispatch technology. What I'm getting at is that I know it's late in the day. You've only got a matter of weeks left before it goes to the MTA. But I've been asking you for a long time, and maybe it's not uh, too late. Recognize that there is a difference between the two types of companies. You have on your consent calendar tonight medallions leaving. Companies like Yellow and Luxor that have invested fortunes in dispatch technology and going to companies that have that are using basically World War II technology, uh, the most primitive type of uh, dispatch. Uh, there's no payoff for investment anymore. Thank you, Charles. Mm -hmm. Since I'm here, uh, on your uh, paperwork there, you'll see that I'm about to be revoked for not paying my color scheme fee. Uh, it's true that I was late. I, uh, the uh, lady from the tax collector's office called me on October 16th. I was under the impression that I had sent one big check for the color scheme and the medallions. She reminded me. I fired the check out October 16th. That check languished in their offices for 49 days. Well, subtract a couple of days for the mail. So I... Don't particularly care to have, you know, it's kind of bad for the brand Metro Cab. It looks like we can't pay our bills or something. On the other subject uh, about the cabs that didn't get their meters checked, Weights and Measures has told all of us, don't ask us for an appointment. We'll tell you when to come. When we did all my cabs, they called me one day and said, we're canceling this afternoon's agenda for doing meters. I never heard another word from them. So, again, it looks like I'm kind of a flake, but it's, it's not my fault. Thank you. And I just want to confirm that uh, that even though MetroCab does appear on the 
advance notice calendar that this situation has been resolved and it was kind of a mix-up and it's no reflection on Mr. Hybels or his business practices? Or the commission. I mean, we don't hold checks. We don't, it's nothing to do with us. So, yeah, I mean, there's hopefully a lot of these will be cleared up by the next calendar. I mean, that's why we put them on here so people can come forward and either pay or clean up the mess that's going on. Okay, next speaker. Uh, good evening, uh, Commissioner. Uh, my name is Dave Narevat. I'm driving a national cab for like uh, 12 years. So my... Uh, can you pull the microphone down so we can... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I, 10, 12 years I'm driving the national cab. So my number is supposed to... The, um, they issued me medallion uh, 26, August 26. So somehow the investigation... So I don't know how they... But the investigation, like, you know, four months ago, I don't know what's going on. So I can, they can let me know what we can, uh, what I have a problem. Okay. Thank you. All right. We still have a quorum, and nobody else is leaving. Because <laughs> you're staying. <laughs> We're dwindling fast. Hi. Good evening. Hi. Um, I'm going to speak on behalf of um, Dave Narwa, and I wanted to talk about how he has been driving the taxi for about 10 to 12 years and um, he was supposed to get his medallion in August um, but an investigation started because um, an anonymous person wrote some letters. Um, during the investigation they found that um, they they made the assumption that he was making fraudulent uh, waybills and they printed out some copies of the transponder record and um, they hand, they gave us the copies too so we saw what was what was going on um, when we checked it a lot of them a lot of the a lot of the issues um, were incorrect because the number they were pulling up wasn't even taxi cab number 243 and then we um, went to the airport ourselves and got records of the transponder and it matched with ours so we're just wondering why out of like all these years they're picking about like five to ten waybills and they're finding problems with that. Also, um, he had a hearing in on October 3rd and the judge asked to see uh, waybills for 2008, the ones he has so far, but he's already turned those into national cab and when he requested national cab to have, like, to, he requested for some copies for 2008 and they said that they never got them, but we have proof that he did turn them in because there are slips with timestamps on them that say that he's turned in the waybills so we're wondering um, why we wouldn't have access to the copies of the waybills, especially because I believe there is um, something in the handbook which says that the color scheme holders need to keep copies of the waybills. And we're just um, wondering what the status of his medallion is, whether it, there's still an investigation going on and when the next hearing is going to be. Had there's been a hearing, and it's totally out of our hands. We're waiting for the hearing officer. There's nothing we can do. As I informed Mr. Narwat when he called me about this last week, I specifically informed him of this, and I stated that there was no point in coming down to the commission hearing, that I was also anticipating a decision, and as soon as I got it, would immediately forward it to him if the hearing officer did not do so. So he's been fully informed of this, and there's nothing anyone else can do at this point. We are all waiting for the decision, and it is n not any delay on this commission's part. Okay. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Ashwani. I'm a yellow cab driver. 
I'm here to speak in support of Mr. Dev Ram Nariwat. Uh, he's driving for about 10, 12 years. He's a very good driver. I see him driving all the time. Uh, he deserves a medallion. He's, he's a very good driver. Please take care of him. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Step right up. I think that uh, even though all our category and ways of the decisions do put to a point of uh, things that, that we are more familiar of uh, working uh, with our subconscious and how the, this has been an example of not forwarding into our conscious instead of our subconscious which has a lot to do with our existing life and the cure and you know, being able to set the answer for a complete thorough exam even in health issues. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, good evening commissioners. I'll start by saying Happy Christmas because we're not going to see anybody anymore. Um, I was very disappointed when I went to renew my A card to be told there is a $2.50 surcharge for what? The police department and the correct price of a A card is $61.50. It's a major embarrassment because this happens year after year. Anybody in the San Francisco City administration apparently can add money to these cards and it's okay because you guys you have no power. I also note that there's a five dollar charge for producing the card. Why? We've been asking you for years. We have an A card that costs money, we go to the airport, they, they, they produce a card, we have a card with a photo identification on it, we have a metal car badge which has a number on it. For years we're asking you, couldn't we just have one badge, even if it costs five dollars to produce, but no, you guys don't want to do anything else. Um, I was just going to ask you out of curiosity, that $2.50 that we're paying to the police department, will that help them to enforce the limousines, which they don't do? You know, I had an email from China. The Chinese taxi drivers complained about illegal taxis. And believe it or not, the Chinese administration actually does it. And I will forward to you all an email from the New York Times of how successful Chinese drivers were. Thank you. What is the surcharge on the A card is? Yeah, so um, that is actually under the Business and Tax Regulations Code, and the surcharge actually goes to the Board of Appeals. And the Board of Appeals is a, a department that is not funded by specific revenues from the A card fee itself because those permit fees goes, go to our budget. The only way that the Board of Appeals can survive, and this is what it's allowed to do under charter, is that it can actually add a surcharge to each type of permit that is issued by the city. And that surcharge varies from department to department, 
based on analysis that is conducted annually by the Board of Appeals as to the volume of litigation that is occurring in that body and before that body, depending on the permit at issue and the department at issue. So in the case of the taxi industry, the surcharge is $3. I believe it's $3, not, okay, well, $2.50, so it went down, because last year it was $3. So you're actually getting a deal. And actually, as a matter of fact, you didn't know it, but that's your Christmas present, or to be fair, holiday gift. So that is the answer to that situation. Thank you. Are you satisfied with that explanation? Okay, well, let's not have a call with the audience. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. Limousine service is really killing the business of the taxis. It is because of the taxi drivers are waiting for about two hours for the customers at the same time. Limousine is coming and pays someone to the gate man, and he takes very good fare, like airport or something like that. This kind of limousine service really embarks the taxi service. If this kind of problem is solved, definitely we will make $80 extra. It is very true. And who will solve these problems? I heard these things from this commission that this kind of problem will be solved by this respected taxi commissions and taxi detail. And hopefully this kind of problem will be solved as soon as possible so that taxi business will be better and better and we will make some more money. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Tariq? Anyone else after Tariq? This will be the last speaker then. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. You come here for meetings, you get a lot of papers, and then you go home. The drivers, their sufferings, you don't feel yet. We got a police department taxi detail for limos, and we hear wonderful news, but we are still suffering. 23,000 people are leaving today from the convention, and there are so many airport rides everywhere. I decided to, first time, let's go to Hilton Hotel and stop and see what the drama is. 4 o'clock, I park my car. 4.25, I count the bags coming out, suitcases and the gentleman. Ten cars limo, turn by turn, in 25 minutes loaded. And I'm first in line, and no fare is coming to me. Unfortunately, there was no even $5 fare, so everybody was at the airport. Finally, one customer came. I made a honk from a distance. And then after he, Bellman, loaded into the limo, he came to me. Why are you making a noise here? I said, you are loading into the limos. I'm standing here. I know what you are doing. He said, you're making noise. I'm calling the security to leave from here. I said, I'm standing on the street, not on your property, not on your sidewalk. Five limos are standing there right at that time. One leave, one comes in, one leave, one comes in. That's fast. I've taken a picture of five of them.
So five right in front. He called security guard. There were other four police officers. I told to them, they said, we are not from this station, but they tried to intervene. One customer came. This guy don't want it to go to me, so they throw him in another cap. The next one came. That's also airport. They are, the police asked, where do you want to go? What do you need? They said, taxi. They said, take this one. Thank you. Where was Sar this? What hall would, hotel was this? Four, four o'clock today. No, where? where? At Hilton and O'Farrell. The Hilton, okay, thank you. Which sergeant said he took action. Wasted time. Thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody. And I'm a, actually an ex-cab driver. You know, I'm revoked by you guys. But however, I'm driving my cabs. 23,000 people come to the city. Unfortunately, I did not got one airport runs, honestly. And this is really sad. Uh, Sergeant uh, Roman's doing a really good job, and I'm proud of him. But this last week, the limo uh, getting really um, graspable for not to all the cab drivers don't make no money. Commissioners, you have to please do something. It's um, me is okay because I'm already revoked. What about another 7,000 more people? They are depend on to make a few dollars to survive with his family and his kids. And right now is holiday, cannot pay the rents. If he really wants to put us out of business, that's the only choice. Last time year we come in here and complain, sir, and you said uh, we are getting adding more caps. We will be rid of the limousines. And I was the only person supporting to add more caps as a medallion honors. And now, uh, sir, we you already add more caps in the um, industry, and plenty caps in the industry when nobody make no money, sir. And uh, left and right, you were looking in the airport downtown, a special high regency. Never get one call from high regency, sir, on Embarcadero. They're all going straight to the limousines and waiting over there. At least Sergeant Simpson make him, I mean, Sergeant Roman, sorry, my mistake. At least he make him to, they not parking no more front of the high regency, but they are parking on the sides. And please, we need some more help or some kind of more power before we go completely out of service. Thank you for all. Merry Christmas. Foreign Thank cab you. drivers. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? Okay, seeing none, we'll go on to the next item, which is item number six. Okay, item number six is staff report and commissioner announcements. It's an information item. And commissioners, I've attached a uh, staff report to the uh, agenda as usual. Um, just want to draw attention to a couple of issues. Um, first of all, we have a, a new temporary staff member in the office, uh, Monlia Wu. She's she's new and she's temporary, hence the moniker new temporary staff member. She'll be reforming uh, clerical work and she will be assisting us in customer service in the office. So that's very good. Um, we have our we did have a rules and regulations meeting today, December 9th, and we have our next one. Uh, we'll have two in January. We're going to identify the dates as soon as possible. Uh, the date of charter reform working group is still being determined. Most likely, it looks like uh, due to the chair's schedule, there probably won't be one in January, but there could be in February. Um, we have 32 medallions left to be issued. Um, those uh, that includes medallions that were returned due to death. Um, 
that does not include ones that have currently are kind of you know under investigation. There's approximately 10 more of those. Uh, now, as of the Newgate and meter charges, there's been an update on this. Um, I had noted in my report that uh, they would take effect January 14th. However, uh, there has been a, an ordinance introduced to freeze the gate and meter at the current rates. That was introduced by Supervisor Daly, co-sponsored by Supervisor Peskin, and has been assigned under the 30-day rule to Budget and Finance Committee. So um, I, am, I, am, I attempted to obtain information about that over the past two days, was unable to do so. Um, so I expect to get some more information within the week about that. And if I hear of anything, I'll be sure to let uh, our list know and, and commissioners know. Um, we, uh, we do have a full safety hearing coming up for you on January 13th. Uh, we'll have a nice report for you on that. And along those lines, um, every year, as you may know, commissions are required to produce an annual report, every commission. And um, obviously, I didn't have ours done by the end of the year, but what I thought I would do, and I think I've mentioned this before, is to do a comprehensive report analyzing the commission's work over the past, well, since its inception in 1998, and um, do a final report. And I think that that would be very productive to members of the industry, to MTA, and to future generations that might want to um, consider readopting a taxi commission. <laughs> and along those lines, uh, the merger, uh, I'm told, was approved today um, by a unanimous vote. Um, so that with the March 1st deadline. But I will have more information on that as well once I have official documentation of that. And I'll send that to the list. Uh, let's see here. Um, taxi stands. We um, have had many discussions with individuals about these taxi stands. And Tamara has conducted a survey and so we really, you know, we really want to encourage people, if you have an idea for a particular taxi stand or a good location, we're going to be contacting individual people uh, in the industry. Uh, but, you know, if you have specific suggestions, please get that to the office. Um, now, uh, before I just go over these documents I attached briefly, I just want to highlight three more issues. Uh, number one, A-cards, uh, it was brought up by Mr. Cezanne that perhaps it could be the same as the smart card and that is a fabulous idea that has been um, we've discussed that at the, the airport and my office have had discussions about that and um, we would love to get that process going obviously it's going to mean a melding of the technology and um, it's going to it's going to involve a longer process and obviously that's going to be something for MTA to take on but it's a great idea and it should be done there's no point in having all these multiple cards and the smart card should have the photo on it anyway, so it's a good idea. Um, second, uh, driver compliments. I've received one compliment since the packet went out. Actually, I see here there's several. One is Dimitri Papakostas. He is the badge 50286. Compliment for him. He's with Luxor. And another compliment is for uh, Michael Davis, who drives a ramp taxi. Very nice. And um, let's see. <laughs> All right. Well, this says driver Craig Nelson, who drives Luxor Ramp Taxi 9006. It says the compliment was phoned by customer Roz Perot. So I don't know if that's a real, <laughs> a real name, but it's a real compliment nonetheless. So that's, that's nice. Uh, I would also like to offer a compliment to a Luxor driver that I had last evening. Um, he drove me from um, 
the uh, the vicinity of Green and Venice to my home uh, in Bernal Heights, and he was very, very nice driver. But unfortunately, I didn't get the medallion number. I had friends, members of the public who are watching, always remember to get the medallion holder, even though I didn't follow my own advice. Uh, lastly, before I just go into these documents, I would like to give a special holiday thanks to all the city employees that facilitate uh, our work in the office and um, also to our staff in the office who have been working hard all year to serve the industry. And um, we really thank everyone for their cooperation and respect in dealing with the office, and we attempt to serve everyone with the highest possible customer service standards. And then finally, there's just a couple things here. Uh, the key personnel audit is attached. Uh, that's for managers who were design designated, um, or rather they were uh, designated candidates for key personnel who were then audited. And as you see, there's some failures here, some of which are failures because they are simply not managers and some of which are failures because they are managers, but they had a couple of issues. Um, Tom Sangalini's issue has been cleared up, so I want to take him off the list as a failure. Um, and then Johnson and Pam from Yellow, there's just, you know, Pam just didn't meet the requirement. And then Johnson, he's really close. So those are considered to be somewhat more minor by the office. But as to the others, uh, there's just really, really no excuse, particularly with regards to number seven on the list. Um, who did not work as a manager, nor did she drive a taxi cab. It would have been impossible since she holds full-time employment at a major law firm in Palo Alto and commutes there on a daily basis. So that is something to consider. And what's the result of those failures? Are they being admonished by our office or by the detail or anything? They are. They, okay. are, they are admonished. And... Uh, and I assume that this is sort of like the other things where if we get a couple of years in a row of admonishments and it makes for a strong case for taking some action. Yeah, in, in the case of uh, at least one that I know of, who I won't call attention to right now, but that individual did submit fraudulent waybills in an attempt to defraud the commission staff into believing that uh, he or she was actually driving when, in fact, that was not reality. That's troubling. My two cents on that one is it's a good case for a case so all right <laughs> keep that in mind uh, so the next one is the meter inspection I've attached a spreadsheet here um, which I was isn't here anymore but he pointed out that you know allegedly there's been vague communication some of these cabs have not been their meters have not been inspected since 2006 I just found out about this had I known before and now weights and measures uh, you know it got a new director during this period so um, now there's going to be regular notification when people aren't showing up, but having your, not having a meter inspected is pretty serious. Um, the public is expected to rely on the, re the uh, accuracy of these meters and expect that uh, they're not going to be, quote, taken for a ride. And so this is pretty serious. These need to get in there for inspection. That's it for staff report, except that Sergeant Reynolds is here. And for my staff report, Sergeant Reynolds is going to make a few comments. Good evening, Commissioners, Executive Director, guests. Um, I want to make it quick because it's late and uh, I'm sure everybody wants to go home. I do. Um, a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Uh, I absolutely agree with the limousine problem. Um, there are so many out there this weekend. We towed four. That's the biggest we've ever towed. And as a matter of fact, we clogged up the, the tow yard with all the limousines uh, bringing in. So they are out there. We are out there. 
We have a plan. The executive director has given me authorization to try to get, we're trying a new program where we're going to actually go to a district station and see if they're willing to put their own people monitored by us to see if we can concentrate. And if this works, we may talk about doing that at other stations. So we'll actually have several sets of teams out there all the time. With regards to the hotels, I'm getting nothing but cooperation with the hotels. If we're having a problem with a particular hotel, I beg the industry to call me and let me know. When this first started, I was getting calls on a weekly basis. This hotel is a problem. That hotel is a problem. I'd send my team out there. We'd make arrests. The problem would solve. Then nobody calls. And then what happens is the problem starts again. And until I hear it at this forum, I don't know which hotels to target. Again, the unit is down to myself and Officer Makovekas. That is it. I have over 10 serious criminal investigations that I'm doing now on four color schemes. And all of them are serious, serious allegations. Last week, we had at least seven drivers come and talk to us about being extorted, demanding tips and whatnot. So an investigation is going on on that. The color scheme has been notified as to what we're doing. I keep nothing in the dark. And I am highly suggesting that that color scheme come forward and try to work with us to solve these problems. But it's an issue that keeps coming up again and again and again. And no matter what the industry wants to believe, a color scheme cannot require a gratuity for dispatch services, for vehicle services. And as long as people complain, we will investigate. We had a hit and run. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. We had an accident involving a pedestrian. I have not got the police report on that yet. I will report to you as soon as I get that information. On December 2nd, the San Francisco Airport GTU had a surprise inspection from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and captured all the cabs and brought them to a three-tier inspection area. The executive director's office and my office were included in that. We saw over 50 vehicles. And I think the most surprising thing to me was we caught three meters that may have been tampered with. So the executive director has talked to me about us putting on our own, and she's coming up with some plans, and we're going to see whether we cannot do the same kind of operation here and see we look for every violation from the vehicles to the drivers to the cameras to the tires, and it went fairly well. We learned some lessons, and we're hoping to do that. We're also, again, upon the executive director's request, we're going to try to put together another operation bandit so we can, again, go out there in a large mass and see if we can't arrest a number of limousines. And so we are working on that. Finally, I want to talk about something that is not going to be popular.
I don't have an answer for it, and I am very concerned about public safety in this issue, and it's something that we've talked about on numerous occasions. I'm going to refer to case number, SFPD case number 081-223-724. This is a traffic collision that occurred on 11-1508 Saturday at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. A taxi driver was doing between 50 to 60 miles an hour at Harrison and 7th Street trying to get on the freeway, which the belief is that he was trying to get back to the airport within the 30-minute time period. He struck one car. He then hit three more parked cars. The cab that he was driving was demolished, and he had to be cut out from the jaws of life. That's not where the story becomes difficult. He did not have a fare, by the way. Where the story becomes difficult is when I got this report, I started to do my own investigation. A driver for two and a half months on a temporary A card. When I started doing the criminal background, I was horrified. I can't discuss what I found, but I can tell you absolutely that when we get his DOJ record back, he will not be accepted as a driver. I have spoken to the lieutenant and the captain of our unit, and it is all of our beliefs is it's just a matter of time before one of these drivers that we have not got a criminal history back on hurts or kills somebody, and the liability is going to fall on all of us. So therefore, the taxi detail is suggesting that we do not issue temporary permits until we get DOJ records back to confirm whether or not these people are legitimate, whether they have criminal backgrounds, whether they have drug problems, whether they have sexual assault problems, or even that they're prior murder suspects. And this is now the second one that we've seen in the last two months. We had one two months earlier, and by a fluke, we caught that he was a convicted child molester and was a 290 registrant. And it was just a fluke that we caught it before we gave him the A card. So it's something that I think that we need to look at. It is a public safety issue. DOJ, some of them come back very quick. Those are usually the people that don't have records. When we start getting them a month, a month and a half, that means that they usually have substantial records and that they have to do more and more digging to find out all this information. So anyway, that is my report for this evening. Are you recommending a change in practice here? Yes. Do we adopt a different rule, or is it just a practice that we're doing now? At what point in the application process do these DOJ background checks initiate, and when are they? You say that they come back different times. If I may explain the situation or the process. A person wants to become a cab driver. The first thing he has to do is find one of the accredited schools. He attends the 40-hour course. He gets a certificate from that course. He then has to go to a color scheme. He has to get a letter of intent from the color scheme saying that they're willing to hire him. Then he goes to DMV. He gets a copy of his DMV printout, gets two photographs, two passport photographs. He brings all that information then to the taxi detail. 
He then fills out a background form. He then, uh, once, first he takes a written exam to make sure that he could understand and, and, and speak English. Then he fills out a background form. That background form is just name, rank, and horsepower on him. He then pays $160. He then goes and gets his life scans, uh, fingerprints. He comes back to the unit. He is scheduled for an eight-hour training course at the taxi detail. Uh, usually that is the following Thursday that he applies. He goes to the course for the day. He's given a written exam at the end of the uh, of the course. If he passes the exam, a temporary medal a temporary permit is issued that day. And then we wait until we get the DOJ request back. So if we were to wait before we issue the temporary, how much longer would that add to the process? It depends. Some we get within two days. Others, it takes two to three months. Would it make more sense to start that process at the point where he first goes to the cab school so that we can get that process in motion, you know, at the very first time that they decide that they want to, when they take the first step, in other words? I understand. So the first day at, at cab school, you would get the information at who's in that school and you would already starting the process maybe that way you wouldn't right. start at the end and then have to wait another month you know after the it, it definitely August. is a possibility and it's something that I haven't thought about at this point it's something yeah. we could definitely look at that. the other thing is we we've raised this issue before is that you know we have so many drivers looking for work and that's contributing that's why many cities you know kind of have these really stringent regulations for entry into the marketplace because what happens is you have this glut of individuals and then people are desperately paying anything they can to get work, paying $150 gates and $200 gates just out of sheer desperation, just please give me some work, you know. And that's contributing to an overall decline in the industry really to have all these people. And it's, I'm sad to say this, but with the economy getting worse, it, it's other cities are already, I've talked to some of my counterparts and they're experiencing this problem where, you know, many people are just entering out of desperation. I can become a cab driver, you know. Um, so it's a significant problem. Can I, can I ask why we do it in that order? It's just... And not get, like, like a commitment from a company to hire them, then they go to school? And well, before they go to school, then they, they can get their DOJ? The companies <clears throat> sell the letters of intent for 10 yes. to $20 and perhaps more. And so these drivers are paying at every turn. They're paying at every turn. They're paying to go to school. They're paying for the background check. They're paying for the A card. They're paying an application fee. They're paying for a letter of intent. So a new driver is out anywhere from 500 to $1,000 or perhaps more, depending. And then, of course, that's just to get in, let alone actually get hired by a company and get a job. It really is an issue. All of the major color schemes are telling me that they are reducing their roles and not increasing uh, new drivers. Yet, you come to the window every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and we're taking five to ten applications every day. And I know that there's very little hope that these people are going to be getting jobs. That's why we're finding about 50% of the limousine drivers we are arresting now um, they all have active A cards, and they tell us that they can't get work anywhere else, and therefore they're going to make, they're going to support their family. And I understand that doesn't make it right, but 
that's just the problem that we are facing at this point in the city and my concern is if this gentleman would have run over a family it would have taken a totally different course than he hurt himself he had to go to the hospital but and that's unfortunate but thank God nobody else was hurt going back in my memory a little bit here wasn't it that we didn't issue permits until the DOJ came back but then there was an issue about how far behind we were at the DOJ so then we were giving a little bit of slack to get these people working because we were so far behind with that I thought that was with the medallions I don't think this question has really been raised before as far as permit holder a card holders but it's something you know it's not really agendized for tonight so I don't want to get into too deep a discussion about how we're going to remedy this but it is something we're thinking about is you know where in the process can we get this speeded up a little better get it started earlier so that it's not starting at the end of the process something we can think about how we can do that okay thank you sir thank you as any public comment I'll take public comment for one minute on the staff report I don't want to sell the gospel. I don't think uh, the staff report is really good and uh, learning experience. Of course, I've been, always been learning a lot in this equipment court. One step there is is for a taxi car to get a new, you know, sites that have already been established as keen police officers is one of the checkpoints and I know and this stuff and this whole system has been as tough as I so here <laughs> I can get a lot of things that a lot of people don't need to judge on because there's always things that somebody can see, be able to Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, all the commissioners, I was looking for, I couldn't find you. Um, you want yellow cab, we've got a third of the cabs in the city, and just want, you know, we do not charge for uh, letters of intent. So I, I understand there are some companies that do, but that does not include yellow cab. Uh, the reason I actually came up was the uh, weights and measures report that's before you has a hundred and some odd yellow cabs on there, which I was alarmed with at first. I went and talked to a shop foreman. And just to give you a quick breakdown, the time I have, uh, a third of those are either long-term lease or color schemes. Another third are cabs that have been put out of service in last year, and all these were inspected last year. They just haven't been inspected supposedly this year. And uh, see, so a third are out of service off the street anyway. And another third are either new cabs that aren't the cab that they're they have on there, or they're uh, ones that are going out of service or went out of service in November. Um, my biggest complaint is there's no communication with weights and measures in the company. The first time that Yellow Cab heard about this was when I got this correspondence. Yeah, that's been a, they need to do a better job. Yeah, that has been an issue that's been raised, so need to communicate that. Next speaker, thanks. Yes, good evening again. I remember when I was a cab driver, I picked up a, 
fellow citizen out of France. He was selling illegal drugs. And I told him, why you do that? Why you want to hurt all these innocent kids when I give him an illegal drug? He told me, we are doing business. And I have no choice. But I have one word to the limousine people. We don't have no feeling for you guys. You guys doing illegally in our city. You picking up illegally in our city. That's you are broken the law. You have to get punished. We don't have no hard feeling for whatsoever. When you coming our city and broken our law and putting us out of business. And that's all I remember for in my uh, history. People doing all kind of illegal thing and they are thinking they are doing business. Whether they are a limousine driver or any person broke the law, they have to get punished. Thank you very much, commissioners. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioner, once again about the limos issue. As only a few seconds to talk about uh, so many incidents out there every day. So many. We cannot come and just stay busy here with one-minute issue. A few weeks, a couple of weeks ago at Fairmont Hotel, the doorman fetched the customer out of the taxi man. He said, no, 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 you're going Marine. I give you a limo right in front of me, and I jumped out, and I argued with him. He said, no, no, you, you did not your job. You are number two. You don't come. You don't talk. He said, they charge $65, and he gave it to limo. I'm standing there. He said, hey, listen, listen, quiet, quiet. You go, you go. You cannot come here. Sergeant is telling me something. Sergeant, you have so many serious cases. No, none is serious. Nothing is serious. All this paperwork is nothing serious. All the years are lost. This became a chronic disease. $80 a day loss of driver every day. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, this is closed. Uh, next item is item number seven. Any commissioner announcements? Oh, yeah, commissioner announcements. Anyone? Okay. Okay, uh, the next one is um, commission priorities prior to anticipated March 1st, 2008 transfer to SFMTA. Discussion and information. Yeah, I'll just introduce this. This was, I just put this on the agenda because we do have a limited amount of time and uh, I know it's late and most people have left, but uh, the point of this was to give people an opportunity to express to us if they felt that there were any priorities or anything that they feel that we should address before we are merged. And so that's what this is an opportunity. We had a little discussion of this in the Rules Committee. We've had some discussions in other forums about this, but uh, and I know it's getting late, but uh, I will just open this up both to commissioners and to members of the public. Um, and that's the point of this being on the agenda. I actually have a couple things. Yes. Just so, some observations. I think one point we asked about uh, getting reports back from the, the meeting. About? About that. Just, are there ever, do the meet, these meetings... Um, to the meetings of the Rules Committee, is that, are reports generated? Kind of Not reports as such, but for instance, like tonight, the next agenda item came out of the Rules Committee. We're, we're going through the rule book kind of item by item, and if we feel like something needs to come to the full commission, then we bring it with a, a rule change. But in terms of, I don't know if there intends to be a final report or not. I think the Charter Reform Committee will have a final report, and like the Health Care and the Clean Air Committee had final reports. I'm not sure whether the Rules Committee will have a final report or not, but we're sort of bringing up issues as, as we address them. I was 
Another thing. Can you use your microphone? Sorry. I'm sorry. Use your microphone. They just called for you. Yeah. Okay. Just an observation. I'm watching a hearing. I'm hearing on TV and in conversation. I'm just a little concerned that because of the work since I've been on the commission, the work we've done is trying to regulate the industry. I didn't feel in any any discussions I've heard with the merger that that's even been an issue or consideration, at least not publicly. And I was just concerned that that is a consideration, you know, as things, as if the merger happens, that there's a continuation of the things that Georgiana and have been, we've been doing, at least since I've been. You want MTA to continue the good work that the Taxi Commission has been doing over the Well, actually, but especially, yeah. Say we say all the rules and everything is tightened up. I just want to make sure that somebody's also out there continuing. For example, Sergeant Reynolds, who's not on the chair. I mean, is it appreciated the work, the overwork that those people do? Is there a knowledge of that by the MTA? It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question as to how much their board is prepared to take on what we do here and aware of the work that we've done. But I guess we'll all find out. And the only other question I had is the representation. I know the drivers were concerned. Has any discussion happened about that? Yeah, so the taxi advisory group that met to advise on business aspects of the merger, it did make recommendations, which I have presented to you before. Those have not yet been considered by the MTA board because prior to today's passage of the merger, it was premature. But what will happen now, I expect that in January and in February, in anticipation of the March 1st deadline, the MTA board will begin reviewing some of the outstanding issues, including the TAG recommendations. And so as soon as I know more information about that, I will convey it to this commission by list because what I'll do is probably do kind of like a newsletter towards the end of the month since we won't be meeting so that everyone's apprised of the latest developments in the office and everything. Well, I thought we were going to have input on that. Yeah, I'm just saying that they'll review it. You will have an opportunity to provide your comments on the TAG recommendations prior to the consideration of them. They will not be considered, you know, before the end of the year. That's not going to happen. Right. And then our next meeting is January 13th. So there's plenty of time to provide comments. And certainly the composition of the proposed Taxi Advisory Council, which was one of the recommendations to form that group, that has been the subject of a lot of discussion. So it's anticipated that that will be one of the more lively discussions going forward. Any other commissioners want to add anything at this point before I go to public comment? And, of course, you can always talk to me personally if you'd like something else that we need to address before our imminent demise. We have two public comments. Yeah, so one of them is medallion lease cap, that that's really an issue for this commission to take up prior to the MTA absorbing this department, and long-term leases. And I know I speak for myself and Sergeant Reynolds on this. We would really like to have a robust discussion of long-term leases and some of the outstanding issues surrounding them in the industry repeatedly, and even here tonight several times we heard long-term leases mentioned as a source of a problem in the industry. These problems are not related to gas and gates. And then the other public comment we had, and this is 
I would be remiss if I didn't state that this is a refrain that I hear from members of the public on a near daily basis when they find out what it is that, that I do. Uh, the top light on the taxis. I've attempted to convey to people that it's tied to the meter and that the driver is not responsible if it's malfunctioning because, you know, it could be that the light is broken or something and the driver is not responsible. But people blame the drivers when it's not working and they get angry and they think that the driver is maliciously turning off this top light. That's not the case, as we all know. But, again, if we could have some type of standardized light, um, ideally a green, you know, eco ecologically uh, suitable light. I think it would go a long way toward alleviating some of the anger that the public feels toward the drivers and would create a better environment for the drivers, as well as the public who would know if a cab was available or not. Okay. I'll take public comment for one minute. No, my name's Senator Johnson. And, uh, I know we worked really hard uh, on a lot of subjects. Are you exactly getting into a new models of, you know, our establishment to, uh, for a better place to, to, to solve a lot of these crimes and really relate to our, what we've been met, having a lot of problems with crimes in this in this century and to make it to where this, our world will be whole more fuller and understanding and which we have been missing because of our subconscious trying to take over and picture. Thank you. Uh, two things really quickly. We lost the... Uh, one, it seems obvious. Why can't you do the police check before the school, before anything? You can only go to school if you pass police check. Okay. The most important issue is the kinds of things that you have been talking about, this three-layer, four-layer thing, I don't think you quite understand the dimensions of the problem, and you should spend a lot of time talking about it. But the basic problem is most cab drivers are coming from other cultures, and they do not want to operate in the way that you think they should. And the truth is, the companies don't want to operate that way either. The companies want to operate in a cafeteria-type organization. These are all the options you have. You want a car, you want a medallion, you want a driver, you want a service. Thank you. Those are the things to look at. Next speaker, we're talking about priorities for the commission in the coming three months. Barry Toronto here. Um, I was at another activity uh, making money tonight, so uh, I, do, I end up showing up. So the important thing is, is um, the priority is, is to deal with the hearing, the hearings, the disciplinary hearings, and the qualifications for medallion holders uh, to try and figure out how that transition is going to work. I'm going to say this publicly. I think uh, Julie Rosenberg is a horrible hearing officer. And based upon the, the, the material I read, I think it's important that you look at 
what kind of hearing officers they're going to have in the future, what kind of disciplinary hearings you're going to be hearing and looking at, and how you're going to qualify medallion holders. I think that's important to look at in that transition because I'm concerned that with all the hard work that this commission has done, despite all the criticisms, it's going to disappear completely come March 1st. So I think it's important to make sure it's codified in writing and, and that it, there's a clear this, uh, discussion about that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, commissioners, uh, this is the world of competitions. We all do competition each other. Well, sometimes the color scheme blame the lease or the medallion manager, and sometimes the medallion manager complain about the color scheme. You know, a few times when I was in here, there was a incident happened between the checker caps, and they have a problems with the drivers and all such a things. You know, however, we don't want to be violating the rule of Proposition K such as a driver have a right to operate in their medallions. That's all we want to know from here. Uh, thank you very much, Commissioners. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. The gate fees, the daily gate fees, when it's charged, the rule is you total up the 14 shifts and divide it and it should come to the level what the city has passed. And there's an item where cab companies, some of them including Yellow, on a slow day, on a holiday, when there's hardly any business out there, the driver cannot give back $100 to the company that day. They charge only $41. But some people critics says, no, $41 since it's not in the law, it's a violation. But the driver cannot afford $100 on that day, so companies are helping. Could you please modify the law and say this should be one other priority, that gate should be on a yearly average base, not on a weekly average base. Thank you. Mark Ruberg, and uh, I think that discussions of lease fee cap and long-term leases would be highly beneficial there. Um, large subjects to take up at, at this stage of the game, but perhaps you can uh, do something on the way out that uh, apparently, you know, uh, in many of us think might have been done long before. Uh, the other thing is I, I think you've really been presented with a challenge uh, relating to these, the layers of leasing rules and the brokers and that whole uh, subject. And it did come up for discussion um, at the Rules and Regulations Committee, and I made some comments there um, that uh, I don't have time to repeat. But uh, I think that this, this is really something that you should uh, try to grab hold of and, and um, come to some, you know, come to some conclusions about. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Those comments have been noted by me and the executive director, and they'll be taken into consideration as we plan the next three agendas. The final agenda I'm going to try to keep pretty empty except for just formalities. Okay, next item. Are we ready to go with the next item tonight, or do we want to continue yeah, this? Yeah, okay. we're ready. 
We have a revised resolution here? Yeah, so we had rules committee this morning, and essentially, you know, 5H3 and 5H4 pertain to the storage and maintenance of drivers' rosters and schedules. Rosters are, you know, lists of drivers that are working at a company, and a schedule is obviously a schedule of those particular drivers on the roster or any random ones that might be coming in, filling in or something. So right now, the rules currently require companies to store and maintain these items and make them available for inspection. For many reasons, the Taxi Commission would like to obtain these documents. We believe that this could actually benefit drivers in the long run and could benefit the taxi companies as well, specifically because they would not have to maintain these records at their premise anymore. The Commission would then maintain the records, and then the company would only have to maintain them for, you know, basically for a year. Now, this morning, we discussed some amendments to this resolution, and so I incorporated those and made a fresh copy of the amendments. And can I have a copy, Tamara, of the one that I made? Because I didn't get it. Thank you. So essentially, here are the amendments that were suggested. Number one, that these items should be submitted to the Commission by the fifth day of every month and not on the first day because of grace period. So those were incorporated. Number two, there were just a couple of typos in housekeeping regarding the word roster changing to schedule. This is under 5H4. And additionally, it was hoped that some type of progressive system of maintaining these records, a rule that would, a statement that would reference that, i.e., if you submit the rosters, rather the schedules for calendar year 2009, then after that you wouldn't need to keep that year because you would have submitted it and therefore it's now on file. So I tried to incorporate that into the rule without making it a very long rule. And the wording I came up with was submission of all 12 schedules for each month of the year will excuse color schemes from retaining schedules for that year. And so what I hoped in writing it is now, for example, I even have schedules from some companies already going back to 2005. So if companies wanted to submit going back six years right now, as of right now, by all means, or as of January 1st, which would put us up only for the past, it would just be better. By all means, we would be happy to accept them. We will store them. And then companies can destroy those records because now they're in our possession. So we would be more than happy to do that. And then that way we have all the schedules on file and there can be no dispute when drivers come forward and claim that they have been driving a particular company but that the company has lost the waybills. This would protect the drivers in that instance and provide an additional piece of evidence to support their claims. So that's what I tried to do here. Okay. That's good. And I think you incorporated all the changes that we talked about this morning and it's all here. Commissioner Onato and I were there, so we don't really need anything. If there's Commissioner Tom or Suval that have any questions on this, it's just basically transferring the responsibility 
And we've had problems in the past of certain color schemes not maintaining their records, so we're going to require that they are submitted to the city, and the city will then become the repository for these records. Um, okay, so I'm going to take public comment on this, if need be, for one minute. Good evening, Commissioners. It's not clear to me whether this proposal is a public record. Does that mean if I can't find my way bills for last year and yet I can ask or look at on the Internet at the roster records? Or is this some private little thing that you guys have and we can't use because that is not in the proposal if you keep records they must be public records and they must be accessible to us and I don't think legally you can do it any other way and that is not in the proposal and I would actually oppose you keeping records that would not be accessible because all the way bills are accessible let's say, to the medallion holders, and you are not clear on what you're proposing. Good evening again. I am personal. Me, I really suffered with that Waybills problems, and just like me, about maybe another hundreds more drivers will be suffering with this Waybill loss. And please, commissioners, I 100% support this Roster, uh, at least the city have some things to, I don't want to those poor innocent cab drivers and work hard in your community, get slammed, and a guy have a good weevils, never been in the industry, nothing happened to him. So if you have something in a roster and the city keep him, please do so, and that's a very good idea. It's limited any corruptions, in my opinions. Thank you for this kind of hard work, Jordana. This time only, not that other time. Next speaker. Bill Willis of Wisconsin. And I have, uh, you know, been to the, uh, the mill of the mill. And I think that. A lot of taxi car drivers don't even realize that producer that you know was really good in a lot of areas, and because of, of just a picture, you know, then that's what they were, and then we can replace them, no matter how. Because the person is a person that you can't replace them for just another factor. And, you know, this, the world is the same way. And if you put it in it, what if I'm... Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening again, Mark Ruberg, and uh, I don't believe that these rules are going to impose undue burdens on uh, color schemes. Um, I, I had made a suggestion at the uh, committee meeting this afternoon, which was uh, 
roundly ignored, and I'd like to throw it out again. It may be nitpicking in a way, but the Rule 5H3 says that the roster, the current roster, is to be made available and updated on a weekly basis. And then the change in the rule goes on to say that the additional language goes on to say that color scheme holders shall submit copies of the roster to the Taxi Commission by the fifth day of each month. So you have to update it weekly, but then you submit it once a month, and it doesn't jive very well. There's a lot of redundancy in this. If you're going to be submitting, you know, four different weekly rosters, you know, once a month, and my suggestion at that time was that you simply submit a roster of everybody who has worked in the past month. Thank you. You know, these rules don't have to be here, except that there's so much finagling by some of these companies. Unfortunately, we've come to this point. So I do urge you to support these, but I think you're doing it with probably your nose covered because of the fact that they actually stink because it requires so much hand-holding. And I'm not exactly sure that you need to do hand-holding, except that there's all these excuses for some of these companies of losing waybills or saying, oh, we threw away the rosters. Unfortunately, you have to do this. But there is one objection in Rule 5H4. It says if you have a daily schedule, it says in the hours worked for that shift. Well, if a daily schedule, you don't know what hours they're scheduled to work. But in order to know what hours they actually worked, you go to the waybill. So I think it's unnecessary to actually say hours worked for that shift, but the hours scheduled. The shift assignment includes the hours scheduled. Thank you. I know I'm kind of wasting my breath, but I was going to just mention it again anyway. I have no problem complying. We're going to go ahead because I know you're going to pass this, and so we're going to be emailing over 800 pages per month of data from Yellow Cab that could be accessed at any time. But we're going to do this. But I just, if this is on a tape, I promise you within six months to a year, I'm going to be getting calls when they're doing investigations to still ask for information because they're going to wonder how to sort through 3,000, 4,000 pages of information on a disk that they don't know how to sort out. And just a fact, and that's not because people aren't educated. I mean, we've got a system. We're sending it, and you're asking for it. I personally think asking Yellow Cab to do this, because we've got a sophisticated system. Happy to do it. I already talked to somebody today. Yeah, we can have it to where I don't even have to do it. It's going to be sent right off our system by email. But I really think in the long run, it's going to prove to be a waste of time. I hope I'm proven wrong, but I don't think I will be. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Anyone else? Okay, public comment is closed. Is there any comment or motion on this? Well, the issue of copies of the roster for 5H3, you might want to say copies of each week's roster instead. That would be four. Or, as Mark has pointed out, a new document would be created that would say all drivers worked in the past month, but that's going to be burdensome for them to create a fresh document. So it's anything to avoid that extra burden. So I don't know what's best. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
you know, this is an experiment. Yeah. We're trying to see what works, what's cumbersome, what's not, what's necessary and what's not. And I think this is a good attempt to try to put a first thing out there and see, you know, let's put this out there and see how people comply, see if it works for us. Okay. And if it doesn't work, we can always change it or modify it. So that's how I feel about this, Sounds and I feel good. like it's in pretty good form right now. The changes we made this morning were incorporated. Commissioner Onetto, do you feel? No, this this is what we agreed to this yeah. morning, more or so, less. Um, just to answer some of the questions, since not all the commissioners were there this afternoon, is that um, the reason we came up with this proposal is we understand that there's companies that are electronically have all their information electronically, but our issue is being even-handed with all companies, and we had to make the rules so all companies complied. So that's why we came up with this. You know, we understand that not everyone has all their information on a computer, but that's a smaller company, so kind of evens out in the end. So, should, can I make a motion to yeah. uh, approve? So we have a motion to adopt the resolution. Is there a second? Second. second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? The motion passes. Next item. Adjournment. Meeting's adjourned. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everyone. See you next year. <laughs>